0: You are listening to the tri Transmissions.
1: Or leave. Episode 5. Just
0: with the doctor order. Right, doctor. I couldn't have
2: prescribed better. Hello again, and welcome to another bout of Shore Leave. This is our fifth episode, and this is the show where we talk about Trek conventions and Trek in general. So, tonight with me is my co host. Uh, she's taking a few hours off of working on her STLV bod, the increasingly <laughs> svelte and always awesome Heather Barker.
0: That's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. I'm super excited since we are now less than three months away from Star Trek Las Vegas.
2: I know. Crazy that we're getting so close, like three, two and a half, three months away. It's nuts. So exciting. Actually, before we get into more STLV talk, I want to take a second and talk about our special guest this evening. Uh, He's been on the show before and now he's back. To give us some updates on what he's been up to and a look ahead at to STLV50,
3: the one and only, Mr. Larry Nemeczek is with us. Wow, this is exciting. And I hope it's going to be more than a wee bout to shore leave.
2: Ah, Well, <laughs> it depends on how long we go, but uh, we're known for going very long on shore leave, so this could get uh, very into the
3: weeds. I don't want to break any Scotty records, but you know. Uh. <laughs> well,
2: we have something to shoot for. There we go. There we go. to shoot for. So, Larry, it, it's it been uh, since about August of 2015 since you've been on the tricorder transmissions. It was quite a while. It was right after the 2015 Las Vegas convention, and you were teasing the release of Portal 47 at that point. And I thought it would be a really cool idea, before we get into any convention talk, to give you a chance to update us and maybe give a bit of an overview on Portal 47 to anybody who is not familiar with it.
3: Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks. That, was, that seemed like a million years ago. Uh, what's, what's been exciting is Portal 47 is basically my insider's deep dive way of getting at all the stuff that I've accumulated in my brain and in my Rolodex and in my archives and things <laughs> for the last 20 years that, that really I knew I had to get out to fandom that wasn't getting out through the normal channels, even you know, like conventions and podcasts and interviews and my own writing and my own interviewing. And um, I just I, I'd been looking for a way that I could offer some unique things to fandom as a service and as a, as a business that was, you know, uh, fair to me, but also a great you know, price for everybody. Um, so I've, I've developed this and, and got it launched in the fall. And it, I, I call it a, a, a mini-con all year long, no matter where your center seat is. Awesome. <laughs> love it. Yeah. But really, it's it's for new fans, for old fans, for board fans, for fans who don't even know how much they don't know. There's several components <laughs> in the monthly package. Well, that's scary, isn't it? What? I don't know everything? Yeah. No, I, I, it's it's been exciting because I, I come on and interview, and I always love, you know, I decided years ago not to do my own podcast, so I enjoy being a guest and talking, and and people seem to like having me around, and I, I I know that there's still some some pointed ways of connecting the dots for people. That's something that just a few years back, when since we've been in the fallow time here, which seems like it's about to end, but it's still an all new time with the new series coming, mm-hmm. and yep. and the state of the divorced franchise, you know, and the parents and all that. But and so of all the years of just getting background out to fans through my books and through the magazines that I've edited and all of that. Uh, just we live in a time where everybody is so out of the box and all the technology is allowing yeah. things. So Portal 47 is a way it's finally kind of come along at the same time where I've figured out some things that I can offer. And we have things like phone conferencing, as well as you know everything digital. So Portal 47 is like a monthly package that includes all kinds of things and it's at portal47.net but mainly I just say it's a, it's an all new like a, a, a 21st century way of getting at the 21st century you love with a with a package of of features and two of which the highlights for me although there's there's several pieces of this is what I call the telebriefings where we have one of the proudest things I've been able to do and that I'm, always excites me more than anything else does, which is not fair because it's all exciting, but uh, having the voices from Star Trek that no one's ever heard before hmm. or rarely heard. People from the crews, stand-ins, stunt oh. people, extras, uh, crew people, wow. some of the design leads. And I'm leaving, I'm leaving room in this because I'm going to offer a second level of Portal 47. Here in just the next couple of months, I'm going to roll that out. But Ooh. I've been busy evolving this and tweaking it, and we have a great group of people. The biggest challenge is almost what I'm doing right now, <laughs> is trying to get it across what it is, because I feel like I'm pioneering something, and I'm in a unique place to do it, and I don't even think it exists in any other yeah. franchise or genre, much less Star Trek. So it's, it's, it's my live touches, again, from my archives and memories and Rolodex and sharing that with people in a way that's, you know, for the cost of two movie tickets a month or, you know, three lattes a month for 25 bucks, um, it's a year. And um, we have a lot of things. We have a good gang that's, that's a- expanding every month. Mm-hmm. But um, I've, we, we have barely begun to fly, we have barely begun to warp. So, so I'm just excited and excited to be at our live events where we're gonna have some portal parties. Um, Because that's part of it. I try to have live as well as all the online and, you know, digital features. And uh, yeah, so I invite everybody to go take a look. at. I'm about to upgrade all my websites here, hopefully by the time of summer con season and have some videos and things up too. But uh, if you're content with just reading, you can (laughs) go check it out.
2: Oh, It's very awesome. You know, something I wanted to. To touch base with you about, because I remember we had a very long conversation about this when we talked about Portal Forty Seven back in August of last year. It's probably too long, but yeah, Yeah, it's been a while. We were talking about, we were actually fascinated because Craig and I are are both uh, AV guys by trade uh, for many, many years, and you were talking about a process of digitizing a lot of old audio tapes and restoring them. Oh yeah, you had been doing that for CDs for a long time that you've been putting out at the cons and things, but. What what's up with that? With for Portal forty seven, are we getting more of those uh, those old audio recordings? That you right, have? I
3: one of the, yeah one of the features is uh, because they need to be digitized anyway, and mm. and even again, even my on speaker CD, you know that I've done for Vegas, that's like a drop in the bucket compared to the hundreds of hours that I've got here, right. and even even forcing myself onto a schedule to do that <laughs> seems like it's creeping along, so. Not that this is, you know, I made a huge push, but one of the features of Portal 47 is an archive access to my archives, and I don't think I can quite compare to the voluminous records that, like Roddenberry's doing, but I've got plenty of, um, plenty of pieces that way. I've got video that I've shot just for my Trekland blog, for my switching to visual series that I haven't put up yet. I'm way behind on doing a lot of. I have, I have interviews with Ron Moore from two or three years ago that I've not put up, much less a ton of other interesting things. And not a, a lot of it's celebrities and people you'd know, but a lot of it just really interesting people. The guy that designed the first Star Trek um, role-playing game back in the Aww. 70s and 80s, I stumbled into him at a convention in the Midwest, and I was like, oh, my God, I've, you're that guy? Oh <laughs> um, so anyway, I've got a lot of things, video and audio, those old audios you were talking about. So, yeah, one of the features every month is there's one release of images or audio digitized or... Or uh, video uh, here. The last two or three months, one month with all the news on Star Trek, you know, uh, 2017, the series. One month, I just, uh, and I don't think it's been on. It has not been even pieced piecemealed out anywhere uh, live. But I had the audio from my first like long sit down with with uh, Brian when he uh, Brian Fuller when he was like a rookie writer on Voyager, and he's talking about some of the things that he's interested in or whatever. Um, so I just I didn't even worry about editing. I just, I mean, I cleaned it up a basic remaster pass. And then I said, here everybody, here's this hour long sit down with Brian where we were both talking about episodes and talking about general things. So, you know, here's a peek into somebody when they were young and compare that with now. And I had a video, uh, I had video back it was high eight. It wasn't HD, but, um, when Nick Meyer came out with his book and I never posted it (laughs) and I said, here's the raw video bang. And so that was, so that's the kind of thing aside from our, telebriefings that get a lot of attention. Um but yeah, thank you for asking that. I'm still way behind on getting these tapes digitized though. You, know. you need
0: help? Do you have a secretary? Oh, no.
3: <laughs> no, believe me. It'll be Confederate money though for the first year or something. Oh. So Larry, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm
2: but I'm just I'm detecting this and I want to I just want to mention it again for anybody who's listening who's considering subscribing to portal 47 but it sounds like to me is you know you 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 sign and you pay one price ongoing and you just get access to this ever increasing amount of content and so you get more and more and more value for your money constantly and you just keep paying the same exact thing right there's no add-ons and no extras
0: right
3: no, it's just a flat. Yeah, it's a flat rate. Wow. There's a, there's a package. I mean, like it's it's not like you have access to a a library with five thousand pieces in it. Maybe in a few years. Not yet, but but yeah, but, uh, but yeah it's it's out there and. Um, uh, yeah, and you know what? I am tweaking it. I do have a stable platform of, of features, but I'll be tweaking it along. There's one thing I really haven't activated yet that no one's asked me about, but I'm going to have a local version of, of you know, we have the Geek Nation tours that I do mm-hmm. that Terrace right. has got me yes. doing. Well, not to compete with that at all, but I'm going to offer Trekland tours where it's like a day tour. If you're in LA oh. and I'm going to have, and I, I keep saying this and I need to do it, <laughs> but I'm going to have a menu of like, Two major places and two minor places, and and there'll be a menu of a lot of those, and then you can pick. And then when you're here for the day, there'll be like a day rate, and then if you're a Portal Forty Seven person, you'll get a big you know, big discount off of that. Wow. So I I'll like have it. there as a yeah as an item anyway, and um and then I'll we'll tour around. We we have a you know rental car, and if you're so if you're on vacation here, you can do it because that's the only drawback to being based anywhere and trying to do a you know, an online you know service like this. Is that um some of those live live components, you have to physically be together? So part of that is that part of that is anybody who's in the portal, uh, if I'm at a convention at a guest, as a guest and we have members there, um, then we have a meetup. And it's like it's on me, And you know if there's one person or if we've got five or ten, like we'll have at Vegas or you know Comic-Con or someplace, or maybe now Phoenix Comic-Con. But uh, that's one element too. There's at least you have at least one party a year that's in your, in your package. And, and then when I go to the higher, when I go to the expanded level, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be even cooler. So, um, well you have even more of that. Wow.
2: That sounds pretty cool.
3: That's down the road. I'm going to announce those by summer. So, you know, buckle up. (laughs) So when you're ready to announce them, you may have to come back on the show and and talk about it again. Oh, I'd love to. And all of this, I, I'm trying to offer a broad swath of things, but I just have to say that one of the coolest things is when we do have a telebriefing, and I try not to I don't want anybody to think like that's the end all be all of the whole program, the whole the whole Portal 47 yeah. experience, but I there's just something about, I don't know, it's the producers, you know, performers, presenters satisfaction of when we have people out that people have never heard from before and they're telling awesome stories. And I've had people you know, come back on our Facebook page or out in public and go, "Oh my God, that was just like the coolest thing ever." or I that was such an awesome story. And again, it's taking it's not so much taking your fandom to this elitist level uh, unless you want to look at it that way. <laughs> but there was just so much Star Trek out there, hmm. so many insights and so many um ways of looking at it that uh, and so many voices we haven't heard from yet. And some of them, you know, the years are going by. so yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. So this next month, next week, we're going to have someone who was on crew for the original series. No cool. way! Yes, Andrea Weaver, who was the second and third season women's costumer. Wow. Oh,
0: how cool! She
3: was 22, and it was like her second job in Hollywood. Oh my, that's unbelievable. 22, holy. So, cow. so you know, she's 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 re, she's semi-retired and still does a lot of costuming work, but she had 50 years in the business. And I just came across her a couple of months ago. Amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and amazed that she hasn't been. But you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, yeah, when I was a kid. <laughs> um, uh, I, would, I would get annoyed that, I mean, I was always a big background person, right? So, and I guess we're going to get, if we talk about conventions, uh, maybe I should save that for our convention talk because that drove a lot of my. My views and my misviews about conventions when I was <laughs> first <laughs> dipping my toe in the water. So maybe I'll save that. Anyway, but that's one of the awesome things to me about doing this is, is bringing out, like I said, old fans, new fans, bored fans, and fans that don't even know what they don't know. Wow. Because I think that's what we have so much saturation, and there are so many fandom is at, at you know with with the digital realm and all the podcasting and all the websites and some of it's kind of shallow and just fun, but there are so many people digging deeper and deeper and deeper um, into history and background, and so much stuff is more commonly known than just the four or five people that had the mystical keys to the cool stuff. You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, we yeah. have a broader yeah. swath of people being more aware. There are more insiderly jokes that more people get. Not not as a snobby thing but just as more stuff to share and something that's right. new and not the same old – same old that we've known for 30, 40 years. So I, I'm just thrilled to be able to add to that and bring my corner of it out that I yeah. was feel very privileged to have been part of so, so long. And again, um, not just all about the past but the dusty past but looking forward to our new our new wave and how things will be the same and different both.
2: Yeah, there's a lot coming down the pike this year for Star Trek, and uh, it's, it's going to be an exciting year. I mean, maybe controversial, I guess, and some yeah. some people will be a little uh, – I mean, we've been dealing with a lot of social media ire lately, but let's not yeah. get into that. Yeah. Let's not get into that because I think all three of us are very positive
3: about Yeah, the I am. Yeah, I want to get on with all the new stuff. And, yeah, and me if too. We have any, I, I've said – what I've said before is I'll say what I said in 1986 – just shut up, people. <laughs> I think Heather just tweeted the same thing a couple of days ago.
0: <laughs> Pretty <laughs> if close to if
3: it. Don't want to watch? Then don't watch. But don't spoil it for the rest of us. Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think Claire also said something similar to that line. Yeah. So you know, as you, as
2: you mentioned, we're we're going to be getting into some convention talk here. And before we talk about some of our past, you should really start um, a
3: whole podcast that's only about conventions. That would be awesome. Gee, I can't believe nobody thought of that yet. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs>
2: Uh, so, so Larry, before we start talking about the, the conventions past, I wanted to take a, a little bit of a test of your feelings on the rapid
3: uh, sellout, an unexpected sellout <laughs> of STLV fifty. I, I so I a year ago, a year ago, two years ago, when they announced that that uh, the fiftieth was going to be a five day show, mm-hmm. five day convention. I I was just like – I remember telling people because I would hear from people yeah. around the world, much less around the country, who had never been before to Vegas. Yep. Um, and I would say, do me a favor. Come next year. Come in 2015 just so you can see it as a normal year, which mm-hmm. sounds totally <laughs> counterintuitive, right? No, I want to come for the most specialist, <sighs> the most coolest ever Vegas ever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. can you just like come see it in a normal year before it- – <laughs> Ford inflates in (laughs) a crazy way because it's like scary, good, and it could be scary. I don't want to say scary, bad, (laughs) but scary, insane. Yeah. The way that, you know, anybody jumps on a roller coaster would be. So I'm not knocking anything at all. I'm just remember telling people, gee, I, I just so you have, you can compare, just so you saw it before it got insane. It's like I actually was at, I never went to Comic Con San Diego until about oh six and oh seven. Yeah. But I was actually there for a couple of years before it got absolutely crazy insane. And and I always and I've seen other a couple of the other Comic Cons that have inflated, you know, the way this boom is right now. I actually saw them the same way. So I'm kinda of glad that I did that. And not that Vegas is going to be on a Comic-Con level. We're still talking about a fraction of the people.
1: Right. But yeah.
3: on its own terms, it's going to be bigger. So yeah. So then we get the fall and people are like, oh, they're freaking out about hotel rooms and they're freaking out. And I'm like, it's not going to sell out. It's not going to. And then it did. And I was like, holy, <laughs> holy you know, holy to lithium. It's, uh, <laughs> so there you go. Five days, a sold out hotel, two sold out hotels and yeah. sold out hall. I'm yeah. just, you know, <laughs> I want something else on my captain's chair. It's just going to be.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be insane. And I don't think any of us expected, expected it to sell out so quickly, but um, I've said this before and and I'll say it again, Heather uh, and Claire twisted my arm to make me buy my general admission package ticket. The second it went on sale, because we were literally just about to start recording yeah. when it went on sale and they made us hold off recording until everybody could buy their tickets. And I was like, I kind of caved in thinking that it wasn't going to sell out. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful that
3: they've twisted my arm and made me buy. I have heard from so many people that have said, I mean, we've seen a whole upsurge in fandom. I mean, let me me back up two steps. Number one, I never try to, um, or I always try to keep sight of the fact that the slice of fandom that's at any convention, like the slice of fandom that's online to begin with, is just a tiny fraction of fandom. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank God, okay. So, you know, if we get caught up in memes and the way things look and all that, uh, that can be a little deceiving. So it's self, you know, it's the people who can afford to come. It's people who can afford to take off the time. It's people mm-hmm. that make it a high enough priority. Yeah. Uh, outside of the armchair fans that are out there buying action figures and books and stuff, but more and more of those people are coming for their first year. I I talk yeah. to them every year at Vegas, and you can always tell they're like the the okie in New York City for the first time. You know, yeah. craning their yeah. neck around and looking at everything. Um, and I say that as a native okie, but <laughs> with all due love. But you know that curve has done nothing but increase since oh nine and it's gonna be even crazier next. I started calling it a five o fever because I started hearing from people around the country, oh my God, I'm oh making people that were freaking out about a sellout. And then all the fan a lot of friends and fans that I know in in the UK, in Germany and a lot of the European in Asian countries where um, there's you know hardcore fandom and they've you know they've got Fedcon, they've got the shows in the UK. but there's all these people. It's 5-0 fever. They all say if there's ever a year I'm going to go to Vegas, it's this year. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's like this – the you know, it's like the British invasion and the German. Invasion. <laughs> so it is. It's going to be thick with – I don't want to say rookie fans. We'll have a ton of rookie fans. We'll have a, pe- a ton of people who are new to Vegas, to, to the STLV, at yeah. the Rio. On top of everybody who may, hasn't been in a year or two maybe and they're coming back, Yeah, it's just going to be – insane good but insane crazy good so i'm just you know i've got my bits down i'm still waiting to see exactly what programming i'm doing but i know you know plus oh the tour another symbol yeah, of this. So yeah the tour this year we've had we've got double the amount of people that we've wow. had in the first two editions That's awesome
0: i know i shared it the other day and somebody was like oh you're booked already
3: <laughs> oh really yeah, well yeah. you know you know, I'd, I'd still say shoot. Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I started to say shoot an email to Terrace and, and see. But he's been, yeah, we've been closed for uh, a couple of months, which is unheard of. That's so amazing. they can still jump on the one day tour out to the Valley of Fire on Connie okay. Day and get a taste.
0: Well, we've had people that are interested in doing that too. So I'll definitely make a note mm. to uh, let send them your way. You have Just let
3: them, know. That let them know that we get up and leave at um, – is it 7 or 8 a.m.? Because we <laughs> get out there and back before it gets hot, hot. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. August in the desert out of
2: Vegas, yeah. yeah. Not a good idea to be out there in the afternoon or early evening. No. no. Yeah. So speaking of uh, the convention, I know you, you've been attending every one of these in many different capacities. I, I'm – Wondering if you can share a little bit
3: about any special plans you may have for this upcoming Vegas convention? Well, um, if I'm alive when it starts because I've been talking <laughs> for 10 straight days with uh, San Diego Comic-Con and then shortly before that, which is going to be like Murder's Row lined up there, the batting order. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm still working out the programming with Creation and CBS, exactly what I'll be doing formally. But I'll have my table. I'll be sharing some things with. I'll be spending some time with Terrace at his booth. I'll be probably doing some taping for my blog and interviewing people, uh, odds and ends. It, I'm gonna be. I've, I've really tried to make an effort the last two or three years not to get bogged down and get chained to the table yeah. and all that. And I missed making contacts with some of some of our actor friends, and just some you know other business contacts at the time. I don't know. I'm still. I'm still kind of waiting to see how that's all going to come down, but. Um, uh, I will have a, I will have a Doctor Trek crowdfunder party again for the Con of Wrath. This cool. will be the last year because we'll be coming out hopefully next summer if all falls to finally premiering. And right now, I'm really focused on Portal 47 and doing what and, and evolving what kind of one-off events that I can that I can produce on the side like that. Even you know that I can that are portable that I could take to um, to different places. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's special about – you know, forget the size of San Diego or whatever else is going on anywhere. There is – for Star Trek, there is nothing like good old STLV as yeah. the hashtag has evolved for the last <laughs> five, six, seven, eight years. And um, it, it, there's just nothing like it. So if you're doing anything – if you're working in Star Trek, if you're a huge fan, there's just – nothing can compare. And I know they have the satellite conventions around the country. And, the, and the, right. what's interesting is the Reed Pop Show in New York this mission new york is mm-hmm. going to be interesting to watch that evolve with a whole new producer behind it but for right now it's uh you know and even going back to the old grand slam days in la when i was first moving out here that that was getting so big and then you know vegas became the mecca with the experience there and now it's we're experience less but it's still continuing on because it's such a great destination for just vacations that and watching, the, watching uh, the con creep, you know, of Vegas. It started yeah. the, after, the Monday after pool party and then we were having our landing party on con eve and then more and more, it's like more and more people and things are taking notes on who's getting where and, you know, on the – and now it's the Tuesday before. Well, now it's the Monday before. Well, now it's the Tuesday after and who's going to be the last one to drag their butt out of town and, <laughs> you know, on Facebook and all of that. And that's been bizarre to watch. Um, but anyway, I was, to your question, uh, it's evolving. Just I'm just gonna uh, just tell everybody to stay up with uh, with my blog at Trekland and, and my Larry Nimichek's Trekland Facebook and um, and keep up with the details. But yeah, that's there's also uh, Adrian um, Grady is having her pilot project convention, not competing at all with, with STLV. You can't compete with STLV, but she's offering that, and I'm gonna be you know sus- maybe doing a couple of creative things there too at times. So right. there's that. And and the landing party, obviously, I've mentioned that in passing. Tuesday night um, at the masquerade, unless we find an even better place for it. Like <laughs> Tuesday night on Con Eve, uh, uh, we'll, John and uh, John Champion and Mary and I and a few other co sponsors will be doing our games and trivia and, and adding into the. I'm, I'll try very hard. If I have any voice left, I will try very hard not to lose it all in one night at the damn masquerade there. But. <laughs>
2: Well, I, I know you're going to be very, very busy through the entire convention, but um, rumor has it that on the 4th of August, which I think is the second day of the convention, uh, mm-hmm. so rumor has it that there's going to be a third anniversary party for the Tricorder Transmissions. I hope that you would uh, stop by for a
3: minute if you could. I will I will work that into my schedule. Oh, I, I should mention too, I am going to do a big time cosplay this year. Really? <gasps> Which I rarely do, rarely Uh-oh. do. Uh one year I, I wore I wore my Dr. McCoy Spock from Star Trek Continues. Oh cool. Yeah. And it was very cool. It was the year the last year they went for the world record uh costumes and and Gary was about, Gary Berman was about to make a big deal out of me. And then Terry Farrell like walked in right behind yeah. me. <laughs> if there's anyone better to have your limelight stolen by, it's Terry <laughs> in her red dress, which is, <laughs> but, uh, very rarely have I, you know, I don't, since I was, uh, since for years and years and years ago, and I got ripped off in a, in a costume contest, uh, by all the girls half wearing Rocky horror oh, outfits, no. uh, <laughs> all male judges, but, um, I'm going to do something very special, uh, I say very special, very rare. It's nothing you've, nothing anybody else has seen. I don't think ever at a Vegas. So, I'm not sure what day, but that will happen. Or how much of a day, but that will. It's going to be a time investment. I can say that. So we'll mm-hmm. see how long I have it on. But we'll, we'll track you down you, that day. Yes. You that. But your party sounds awesome. That's going to be Thursday.
2: The Thursday. I believe so. Yeah. That's the the third anniversary of the first episode we released. So uh, back in in 2013. So okay. it's been quite a while. No, I'll definitely be there. Oh, that's excellent. Glad to hear that. It's going to be very, very cool. I think uh, we're, we're all looking forward to it. And uh, thankfully, Heather's going to help me plan the whole thing, I think. I don't
3: think there's going to be any shortage of things to do. No. <laughs> no. We'll try to squeeze everything in and, and we'll make sure and do that. Yeah. Definitely. So you mentioned briefly
2: uh, during your, your answer to the last uh, question that uh, you have a table in the vendor room. And I wanted to throw this out there for anybody who uh, hasn't been to SDLV yet or hasn't stopped by the vendor room and seen you in there. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the vendor room experience at the con and what you're planning to have at your table for the 50th.
3: Well, I'll have my... uh on speaker CDs, and I know some people roll their eyes and say, "Oh my God, CDs!" But it's it's good because it's really hard to autograph a download. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so since the companion went out of print, um, you know, people people walk up with them and they get them on, uh, you know, Amazon and eBay and all that, and that's awesome. Uh, all the different colored covers, but uh, I wanted something to have. Um, you know, tangible there. And, and plus it was serving the public good by getting these damn things digitized and off the cassette tape. (laughs) But, uh, I'll have that. I'll have some photos from some, some acting that I've done. And, uh, mainly I'll be promoting, um, Portal 47. We'll have a drawing, I'm sure, uh, you know, for the end of the weekend. And, uh, uh, oh, and I'll have some information about enterpriseinspace.org, which is yes. the nonprofit that I'm the speaker for. So, I mean, I don't. Um, I tend to not to have a fast moving line. I tend to have a. I tend to have like a you know a Max Gradentich line or a <laughs> <laughs> whatever where, where uh, people come in or a George Decay line where people come up and talk for a while. So uh, I'll be looking forward to that. But that's that's um, that oh and and of Wrath information and I'll be. Promoting the Doctor Trek show crowdfunder party for uh, for doctor for uh, the con of wrath also for which will probably be either Friday or Saturday night. however I reckon best dodge whatever it is that I have to be at that night. Ah, very
2: cool. Do you have a do you have
3: a approximate location for your table yet, or have they assigned those? I have no idea yet. I hmm. now this is going to be a different year. This is about the the con. This is going to be a different year. There's more. I I think they're reaching out to have a broader swath of industrial, like non-Trek-specific or Mm. non-Sci-Fi-specific vendors like they've had in the past. You know, like service providers of phones or internet or or different kinds of things that would interest people of of the Trek demographic. Some of those – and I think they're going to have so many more signing people that they'll be – the signers, the actors, and mm-hmm. others will be split up in different rooms. Oh, okay. So it may be a little more complex this year and taking up a little more room. Well, that's what mm-hmm. I was told. Yeah. So, uh, did they lease more space in the hotel this year? I, I don't know if it's leased more, if they're going to be using because some, some of that, sometimes that gets deceptive. Uh, like, yeah, oh, sure. it's the back end of the room behind. I, I get the feeling they're upgrading corks, another quantum leap above what they did. Oh, for the first oh that's nice. Second. So awesome. I hope. And again, I I got uh, sideswiped a little bit there. I didn't get into the new Quarks as much as I wanted to last year. So I want to make sure and and do that. Yeah, from what I – again, it's kind of sketchy and it's evolving. um, But I did get by the offices once and talked about some of this stuff. And um, I, I think I'm still in the main vendor's room, but we'll see. We'll see okay. how it all plans out. Well, when you when you come back before the con, we
2: can uh, get a, a last confirmation of where you're you're going to be. If so. I know anything, if I have a functioning
3: brain on the <laughs> <ease of> the <laughs> I'm not on autopilot from you know. Yeah. No. So is there is there anything that you're
2: really looking forward to at the convention this year?
3: I'm well. There's you know a couple of things. I'll I'll bite into this. So it's going to be. Uh, I, I'm, I've gone blank on who else it is, but I'm really interested to see Kirstie Alley f- for her oh, yeah. first. What she B was actually the- at a couple of Trek conventions back in the day. She was at the Con of she was at the Ultimate Fantasy in '82 in Houston, mm-hmm. and she and Laura Banks, who was the who was the Con babe on the Reliant on the Augment crew that had a line as opposed uh-huh. to the con who didn't. Yep. But she was at the Con of Rad, at the show. And we interviewed her and she was reminding me that the two of – she and Kirstie did a convention in San Francisco that, mm. that year before it, it got to the point where she wasn't coming back to be Savic. So she kind of lost interest in Trek conventions. And I'm just curious to see how, you know, how she is with being there and, and what her mood is. And um, she's had a long, interesting ride in pop culture and in the public face and public eye. So I'm going to be interested to see how, how she is. I, I don't know i'm just uh I'm gonna try to get into the main hall and see some more of the stage stuff bet uh, you know differently. I've offered a lot of different services to to creation, so we'll see how much of that plays out. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's in flux right now, mm-hmm. but um yeah again, I'm trying not to be chained down to the table so much and to get out and see more of my friends that are guests and friends that are other vendors and people that work in the industry and and you know and the fans both. So I'm I'm looking forward to see how well I make myself not be chained down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember swinging by your table
2: a couple times last year, and it was kind of a hit and miss whether or not you were going to be there or not.
3: That's the big joke. Well, it's the big joke is, oh, Larry's not at his table. But what I try to do is have posted hours. And sometimes they've put the schedules out so late that it's hard to Mm. to do that. And when it's a tour year like this year, if they put the final schedule out and get that to us, you know, just a week ahead of time, but I'm out in the middle of Vasquez Rock somewhere when it happens, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It's it's a little bit of a scramble, but that's my goal is to have posted hours. So you'll okay. all see how well I do with that. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, any other thoughts on the convention before we move on to uh, another topic? Oh, no, just uh, I just, you know, buckle up, everybody. It's going to be I say that and I don't I'm not saying that to be you know, a downer or dreading it all. It's like it's like when you're about to step into the world's newest, fastest, craziest, you know, roller coaster and you're still excited. Yes. It's it's just gonna it's like no STLV we've ever <laughs> seen before.
2: You know? I have a feeling you're right on that.
3: Readings wow. are off the scale, Captain. You know so, <laughs> To which I always wanted to say we'll get a bigger scale spot. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, I can't wait, can't wait. I just yeah, want to survive and enjoy, as opposed to survive and succeed. Just survive and enjoy. Yeah, I think we're all kind of feeling the same way.
2: I think uh, I, I we're all going to survive one way or another. But uh, I think the five day extravaganza is going to be overwhelming and amazing, and just a hell of a lot of fun for everybody. I just hope it's not too too overwhelming with the huge sellout crowd.
3: Yeah, I should say too that I'm really I, I know our our Geek Nation Tours group. Is is uh, got a lot? Has been very international. I mean, Terrace is in Canada. and We've had people from Europe. We've had people from Australia and the Pacific. Um, and there's no, one of the coolest moments last year. We didn't even have a full tour. We had the one day tour. But I ha- we had a fan from Malaysia and a fan from Indonesia. And if you know your geography, they're like next door, you know, island nations. They're south, South Pacific, Southeast Pacific. And so they were they were neighbors, but they didn't know each other. But they both had local clubs back home and they were and we were in the van going out to Valley of Fire and i just remember hearing them talk about comparing notes on their local clubs and it just it's just awesome to have two people from two different countries like that um and not even the typical you know they weren't brits or germans or australians and talking about it that way and um and just listening to them and just stopping and reflecting again how incredible this this Star Trek thing is what Gene Hath <laughs> wrought, and, and how it's brought so many people like that together. So I'm looking forward. If we're going to double that this year on the tour, I'll know I'll be spending some time, uh, not full time, but a lot of time with a lot of our fans. Some of them will be some of that group will be veterans. Some will be newbies. And uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to that and just seeing as many just watching the faces, the Christmas morning faces of, some <laughs> of the new fans we have, too. So, you know. It it's it's all good. It's all gonna be it's all gonna be amazing. And someday we'll tell our grandkids about it. We
2: will. That's a great way to put it Christmas morning faces. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had one of those my first STLV. When when was that? Twenty fourteen. I'm relative newbie
3: still. A new, relatively newbie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this will be my third one. It's amazing because I just think of how STLV used to, well, I remember the first few times people started to call it that because we had Twitter and hashtags became yep. a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I just remember when we used to just go, and I would just go cover it for Communicator, or <laughs> you know, or for uh, for all this, the the original Star Trek .com years when Mark Wade and and Guy Vardaman, and then Tim Gaskell, when we were actually actually Guy was gone before that was '99, so Tim had been there a couple of years before the Vegas conventions got going in '01 which you know the first year was slanted fedora it wasn't creation and they were actually on the oh. anniversary weekend and we had all these people from foreign countries there and it was at I called it ranch con because it was was not at the people went over to the Hilton for the experience but it was not at the oh. the old Hilton and um that was the like Jerry Ryan's first convention and and they had she had had that stalker and they had wow. they had four private security guards hired out as part of her package Jeez. to to be around the room, but it was wow. very flat. It was it was very you know, the, the hotel was motel was a flat motel with a couple mm. of years and and Jimmy Douden was still scooting around on his little had just started scooting around in his scooter and kind of <gasps> made people you know gasp when they first saw him, but the next year then Creation jumped in <laughs> to take the reins of it more or less and that company kind of imploded on its own and they had already reserved a month early so rather than like the anniversary weekend in september they had reserved august and august in vegas you can you can get better deals on facilities mm. so that's why it's always been in, and they've never changed ever since then hmm. but i remember when we just would just go and cover it and you know I wasn't a guest. We would just go cover it for things, and then .dot com would cover it, and and we would live stream things. And back in the day, and it's just ev- it's exploded. Actually, with o- the 09 movie, yep. and social media, yep. and and the .com. I I wrote. I had just started my blog, and I was writing about the comic occasion of Vegas,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and first as a cosplay level, and then as CBS was bringing in more licensees to do panels, the way you would see at a comic con, and, and licensing and, and you know manufacturers promoting their products that way. And it's just gotten you know more and more professional that way, and more and more the the level of that kind of that end of it. And and Gary and Adam's eternal search to find what can we do differently this year as far as the guest lineup, because mm-hmm. you know people go several years and they go, okay, well I've got all my autographs, I've got all the photo ops I need. Yep but they yeah. still find at least a few moments to try to make it special for everybody like that. So, you know, like the year when uh, when Mike Westmore did Terry Farrell's yes, spots. Oh, <sighs> yes. And then, you know, and then you know what came and then totally shocked everybody. That was announced. And the unannounced thing was her walking out in her Klingon bride's outfit you yes know. i think
0: claire and i uh cried when that happened we had like a geek girl moment and got very emotional because it was certainly that's a story we will tell forever
3: yeah and then well that's the thing the the bottom line is when you have that many variables and that many ingredients in play you just you know th- those unexpected moments will happen on a big scale or a, or a, you know just in front of you and yeah. you, can, you can never predict that.
2: So Larry, you know, something that we like to do with all of our guests on Shore Leave is one of our favorite segments called First Cons where we talk about your first Star Trek convention experience. So uh, if you have a few minutes to spare, would you uh, would you indulge us? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I you got me thinking about this. I mean, I I always think of my first like little convention that I went to was you know, I, I grew up in Oklahoma. So I was, you know, when the New York cons originally happened, I, I wasn't a fan until two or three years into those. I mean, my ninth grade science teacher sent me home to watch Star Trek after school. And so they'd been out for a few years, but I was aware of that. And then and then um, I was aware of that and then the, the cons spreading to L.A. and then Chicago. But the bottom line was those cool, really cool conventions for Star Trek were something that happened in all the big cities. And we were stuck out here in the, you know, now we'd say flyover states um but there were sci-fi conventions and eventually media there were a lot of nostalgia cons and things and you know old time radio and the westerns and all that was happening and then when sci-fi took off that kind of you know star trek was already 10 15 years old and there was a nostalgia element to it but i went to a a little convention in Oklahoma city that was a lot of a lot of elements like that you know my mom drove me and then, when I was in college, I went to my first overnight convention that was primary it was driven by Star Trek and Star Wars by then. and it had you know regional authors and artists and and you no know, no get, no actor type guests, that kind of thing. And what's really scary is by the time i was I was out where I had independence and income in a you know, my own car, or I could fly or whatever, and starting to do that. But what really got me just thinking just now is my real all for all Trek first. My first All Trek convention was Ultimate Fantasy was the Connor Wrath at Houston Con in '82 that the documentary is about, which is very scary <laughs> to think about now because after that I you know we would start driving to Kansas City and St. Louis and the Starland conventions in Denver that Steve Walker does that are awesome shows when they were you know the uh, Patrick Stewart's first convention was in Denver it was the week that Heart of Glory aired and I will never I was like I'm here. Uh, forget that first wave of, you know, it's like, I'm sorry I missed out on the original series' wave of fandom, but here I am with Next Generation. I'm going to be here, damn it, you know, to see some <laughs> of these moments. And that was that was an awesome, awesome moment. He was totally emotionally overcome when he came out on stage the first Aww. time. There were like three, 4,000 people, 5,000 people, and there's tape of it. I mean there's videotape of it. And he comes out, and there's this like just – Roar And D. Kelly was like the other main guest that weekend. But there was like this just roar and you could just feel the emotion and the love wave over him. And he physically, viscerally, physically like had took a step or two back. And he said, I don't I, – he said something effective. I don't ever remember having a moment like that on a stage before. Aww. And uh, he was just totally overcome. And, um, and then a crazy thing he did the first day because I think he was still fighting himself in his great Shakespearean – you know, theatrical, uh, I'm, I'm being a wimp for being on TV type thing. (laughs) He did the whole first day's hour Q and a without a microphone. And he was like projecting to the hall. Wow. Three, four, 5,000 people. And then the next day he came back and goes, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I, I, (laughs) I made my statement, but now I'll take a break. I I have to show up for work on Monday. So I, you know, that was a moment, but that, again, that wasn't my first one. I, I have really fond memories of those, but, um, I was. We were going to those while I was madly trying to write the first edition of the companion. I remember one of those weekends. But uh, yeah, it's amazing to me. You made me think of this. My first all track convention was Houston Con 82 in the, in the ultimate, which actually technically wasn't an all convention, but the ultimate fantasy made it feel like it was. <laughs>
2: wow. That's cool, man. What a, what a, yeah. what a great story that was. Uh, so do you have any favorite uh, celebrity interactions from any of your convention memories?
3: Yeah. So, so twice we were at, uh, you know, Richard Arnold's mother, Denny used to run the conventions, the Trek conventions in St. Louis and they were called, uh, they were called Space Trek, Space-Trek, Hyphen and they always used the, the uh, arch. What's it called, the big arch in St. Louis? Not the Pioneer's Arch. The Gateway Arch, you know, as an icon. And one of the years, in 86, so Star Trek IV was coming out, and Leonard and Dee and Nichelle were the three guests. And Leonard was kind of off to himself, and they had a – remember they had a press conference on Thursday or Friday. And I'd been working at our at a you know university city newspaper in Norman, the Norman Transcript, and I was still a beat reporter, but I was wire editing, and I wasn't quite I wasn't entertainment editor yet. But I just remember I'd been out on my own long enough, and I was like, Oh my God, I could I could maybe de- if I knew what to do, I could deduct the cost of this. This could be work, <laughs> and oh my God, I can get a press pass and go into a press conference and be there. And I will never forget it. So so, this is like the day before. There's a room set aside in the hotel. Here's all the little local pretty boy you know, TV reporters, three or four of them from St. Louis, and a few print people there with their pads looking all disheveled because they're just print people. And it's a regular press conference. And I don't know who was coming down or what. But Leonard never did. That may have been part of his deal all along. But there was nobody from the convention there. It was really weird. There was nobody coordinating it or running it. It was just the press was set up, you know, maybe 15, 20 people. And there was like a cameraman and reporter and then some four or five times over and then the rest were print people and me. And again, this is the summer before Star Trek IV. So almost so much of the plot was out, but they were still being cagey about it, you know, the way they would do in the pre-social media days, pre-internet days. So here comes of, you know, my favorite guy so who I finally had seen at a convention in, in 84 – Because I was starting to think he was going to like, you know, he would would dissipate into the ether Mm -hmm. and I'd never see him after two or three times. But D came down with his dark glasses on and walked in the room. No one accompanying him. No one coordinating. No one (laughs) greets him at the door. And he walked in and all these little local pups who don't know Star Trek from, you know, Star Wars or or Star whatever, um, they're all still gacking around. He walked in the door. No one paid attention. There was nobody to introduce him. No one to call attention and call (laughs) the meeting to order or nothing. And he kind of walked in, and I'm just kind of doing my usual sit back in the corner and watch all this unfold. And finally, I locked eyes with him. I didn't know him that well. I didn't know him at all, really, really. I locked eyes with him, and I said, it's dead, D." (laughs) And then he said, yeah, it's dead, Jim. And then everybody kind of woke up and went, oh, is this somebody? Oh, is this somebody? (laughs) And. And then he kind of walked to the table at the front and sat down. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be here, and everybody kind of watched. Oh, and of course, some of the reporters actually knew that was D after they. But he had his, you know, he had his uh, dark, those dark shaded tinted uh, glasses. Not shades, but you know, dark tinted '80s brown glasses. And it started. And then about half after a few minutes, Nichelle, who looked like she just got off the plane and had her hair all under a hat because she hadn't had time to fluff it out, but she got <laughs> down there. She walked in. And then, so by the there was, again, no coordinator, nobody being middleman. They just went back and forth with the local uh-huh. press. The TV guys kind of asked their stupid, inane, shallow questions, you know, and they're being, doing their coy little, you know, non-spoilery comments. And then the fan faction in the room, if there was anybody, there was nobody to even go there. And not that I was trying to stir anything up, but I just wanted to know what I could get out of it because I was standing there, so I had my little reporter's notebook and all this, but there was still a peace of me going, "Am I really going to get away with this? Am I really going to get away with this?" even though I was legit as as I'll get out and I was I would like stand on the left side of the room and ask a question, and they would kind of go, "uh- huh, you know even though it was silly, because in some places that had, that was already well-known, you know? Well, I understand it has it might have some Earth creature in it. I mean, it was just <laughs> stupid. Because this was like July before it came out in November, right? And they were already so thrilled with the movie that they couldn't stand it. You know, they were already about to mark the 20th anniversary st- professionally for the first time, and they were already about to announce Next Generation. You know, that was all in the works, and they were just so proud of this movie, they were busting their buttons about it. And and then a few minutes later after another round of questions, I was taking pictures. So I would like to take picture from one side and then I moved to the other side of the room and took pictures from that angle. And while I was over there, it would get dead and I'd ask another question. And I always – Nichelle was like – she started she start, – she goes, aha. And then she looked at me like, you little dog, you switch places. So I'd ask <laughs> – and I'm like, no, I'm not trying to – I didn't say I'm trying to sneak. I was just taking another angle. So anyway, she talked. But that was the whole – vibe. and you know, Leonard never came down that was that was a really wacky moment, but that's when I was like, "Oh, okay, I could you know I could do this." And then at the Kansas City convention that year, one of the two, it was supposed to have been Harv Bennett and Mark Leonard. And Harv had had a heart attack. And Ralph Winter came in his place, and then uh, Mark Leonard, and who you know played Sarek. And they had arranged an interview for him to sit down. And when I sat down, he, I said, okay, and I started to be all chummy and you know talky verbally, and and he said, well, yes, 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 let's let's move this along. I need to, I need to, you know, I need to be somewhere, and I was like, oh, okay. So I got real uh, precise, but I started off somewhere. I was smart enough to talk about my theater background, and after a minute or two of that, he turned into like Daddy Mark and was advising me that I should not give up my acting and that I should, you know. And so I asked him a few questions, and I said, well, I know your times you know, short. And he goes, oh, no, we can keep going. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and and we had this great conversation that that was the first actual celebrity. That was like the oldest. That's a piece of that's on the first on, on speaker CD that I did. So that was like in years later, I was like, you know, that was cool because on one hand, I went totally on between my background of journalism and my performance background. And then knowing Trek, that was the first time I look back now and go, my my three-legged stool that has served me so well since then, you know, with all worlds overlapping where a lot of people sometimes may have one or two of those, but not all three,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, shallow interviewers or or googie fans or uh, people that don't get how the business works. Mm-hmm. And being able to combine all that has served me really well. And that's the first time, I, you know, years later, I went, wow, I I went on instinct there, instantly knew the way to bond with him like you would try to do with any interview subject, but I was somewhere developed the smarts enough to do that and, um, you know, training or whatever class or, or whatever and and then turned what should have been a quickie situation and could have been uncomfortable into something totally different. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, that was that's, – that's a real – so there you go. Those are like early – some early, early con memories that I <laughs> – and I don't think I've said those stories a million times either. So
2: Wow. So is that, um, is that on speaker part of Portal 47 at this point? Can people hear it?
3: Uh, That's Well, The on Speaker CDs, I started doing about four years ago. That was my first thing out of the box about getting some of this archival stuff out. And so we remaster, clean up. Um, Chris Jones that's at Trek FM has helped me uh, with the remastering, and he does the art design for them. And uh, the first one is out of print, and I keep meaning to get started on my list of to-do things is to make them downloadable as they sell out. But volumes two, three, and four are all themed to – like volume two was themed to the anniversary of the next gen finale and uh, then the DS9 finale and then the Voyager pilot. And and again, it's all my long sit down, not sound bitey, you know, my long hour, hour and a half interviews with people back in the day in 94 and 95 and 96 and 99 and whatever. So – um The first one that I did out of the box was called Future Voices Past, and it was all people who have passed away. So the first one has Michael Piller and uh, Bob Justman, and um, uh, the only actor that I've ever done so far was Mark Leonard, and he was on the first one. Uh, Oh, and Jerry Fleck, who was the first assistant director for a lot of – Next, Well, all the modern series until he died suddenly during Enterprise. And he was Jonathan's first AD on um, his two movies, on First Contact and Insurrection. And great stories. And I wish I'd had him on microphone more. But he had some great stories from shooting First Contact. And um, so anyway, the first CD, which is not in hard copy anymore, was that one. And I have Mark on that. Again, the only actor. Because I, I said years ago. These actors are so damn charismatic. You love to go see them at conventions and they tell their stories. But if you really want to know, you know, it's it's what drives me in so much of what I do. And I love I love the actors. <laughs> but if you really want to know the nuts and bolts of why Star Trek is the way it is and why it was done that way or what didn't happen, um, you know, you got to get to the writers and the producers and the designers. And you know, and all those people. And then, if you want to go to the next level, get to the people who are on stage and in the offices. Mm-hmm. and and you know, if you really want to deep dive this stuff, that's where you where you go. and And from the beginning, when I had the books, and then when I got to manage edit communicator all those years, and we were digging for reference for the fact files. And then in today's modern world, where everybody's just throwing everything on the internet, but we still want cool new stuff, that's you know, that's where, that's where the nuggets are. And now we're coming out of the fallow time and we'll have some new yay. But I don't think yes. the first 50 years is going anywhere anytime soon. And that's what's still going to affect, especially people like Brian. That's what's still going to affect Brian and Nick and, and everybody that's working on the new show. Whether they're an old an – old fe- a welcome old veteran or, or they're totally brand new. So again, that's what's motivated me over the years no matter what I've, what I've done. So getting back to the, um, the Googie fans – <laughs> that you uh, just mentioned.
2: So let's flip the script a little bit, and we're talking about uh, favorite celebrity interactions. How about most memorable fan interaction moments from your con experiences?
3: Oh, my God. You mean where I've met other fans or where I was a fa- I felt like a fan? Well,
2: when you, where you met other fans who, uh, who may have stood out in your memory.
3: Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm a sucker because of the way the stereotypes of... I mean, you know, one of my soapboxes has been... This whole joke about the geek girl – not a joke. I don't mean that. But the whole thing about the geek girl revolution, the fangirl revolution mm-hmm. being new when Star Trek <laughs> fandom was built by women, you know, yeah. um, in the 70s especially. Uh, and I remember watching the Shatner Get a Life skit on Saturday Night Live and thinking, why do they have all these teenage boys, you know, in the audience as the stereotype? Where's all the middle-aged women? That's the stereotype <laughs> Star Trek fan. where You know. I think that did a lot of—I don't want to say damage, but I think that permanently altered, you know, the, the mainstream world's perception because that, that skit was so iconic and has been, you know, repeated so often. But wow, I've seen so many. I, I what I started to say was I'm I'm trying to think of who stood out in my mind, but I'm always drawn when I see, you know, they worried about whether anybody under thirty was going to become a Star Trek fan,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
3: So anytime I see young kids, whether it's with their parents or or if they're on their own whenever, you know, we talk about empowering minorities and women, whenever I see, and I don't mean to be a tokenist here, or anything like that at all, but whenever I see um, really strong-willed, you know, women, and so much of this has become a non-thing now. People have, thanks to social media, everybody's become empowered in their, all their different little ways. Even if it's just, you know, fan sheep becoming, <laughs> becoming I'm going to take over and do all my own organizing of events and activities that. At Vegas and other major conventions, you know, where it used to be just people would just trample as a mob from room to room and stand in line all day and there was nothing else going on. And social media has changed all that. So, but I, that in the, and the first time people, I'd love talking to first time. Here's one last year, talking to a guy who is not a young girl or young <laughs> or anything, or, you know, he was a guy in his fifties, obviously, maybe even sixties came by my table uh, had that kind of wandering look, but you know seasoned, and so i 'm striking up a conversation with him, and uh, I said, is this your first first con first the other thing that 's amazing to me is how it used to be I thought like I did, I thought the model was you became a fan, you reached out locally. You found your local club or your local convention, even if it wasn't all trek. You you know you went to that because you you would go there and maybe you knew the people putting it on or running it or whatever, putting it on or running it. Okay, but you know you did that and then you worked, you saved your money and you worked your way up and then you went to a bigger regional con like like I did and then and then oh my God, I'm trek guy and and mecca Vegas is the mecca for me and I'm gonna go there and. And it, it amazes me the last five or six, seven years, the people that just they just leapfrog all that. Maybe it's because of the world we have and you know, travel's cheaper and easier. I don't know. But the people who are in Vegas that go from their chair to Vegas in one leap mm-hmm.
1: just amazes
3: me. You know, they don't they don't they don't know what their local fandom situation is, which I, you know, I, I think they should. Everybody should, you know, have their local groups that you can do and get in and support. But I'm just amazed by that. So this guy, though, he not only you know, it was not only his first Vegas; it was his first convention. Wow! And I said, "Oh, okay." So, like, how, like your grandkids taught you, your kids talked you into watching. He goes, "No." He says, "Oh, no, I watched it on NBC in the '60s." <laughs> and I just, I, I mean, you know, my reporter's curiosity kicked in, and I, which happens all the time, and I said, "Really?" I said, "You've been a fan since the '60s, but this is your first Vegas. Is this my first convention?" Really? <laughs> You know, he didn't live out on a sheep ranch in Montana. He was near some major city. I, I said, what was it? What, what, what clicked? You know, what turned? Because this was not, it wasn't even the 50th year yet. It was the 49th or whatever. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said it was Leonard. Wow. I said, really? He said, he passed my, you know, as I was kind of saying, like my world shifted a little bit. And I thought, damn it. I've, you know, if I wait any longer, you know, I won't be around or something. He he wasn't anywhere. You know, he was not past going at all. He was still very up and going. But the whole thing of Leonard passing made him stop and realize I I I should get out and act on my I should do this. And again, he didn't just go to a local convention or wherever, He leapfrogged and went to Vegas. But that was amazing. He'd been a fan since the 60s and had never felt compelled to go to a convention, much less Vegas. Until Leonard passed, so there's like five levels of coolness right there. That's yeah. Leonard inspired you know? him to do that. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. On top of all the other aspects of his fandom and his own story and and whatever, so I don't know. I you know I bet that's that's a freshest that's a fresher story. I've met so many amazing, awesome fans, and I and I love going to the regional convention, not just Vegas. But I've, you know, the one thing that that um, it's amazing how you could have been a word guy for 20 years, and the minute you say you're doing a documentary, or the minute you play Dr. McCoy in a fan film, <laughs> that, that gets a lot of attention, yeah. and the minute, minute, more, oh, you're on film, you're real. It's like, yeah, and you know, I, I wrote all these, you know, I edited this magazine for eight years, and I wrote, you know, all this other stuff. But I guess I'm a real person now because I'm in pictures, which is a which is a great lesson to learn, by the way, kids. Um, how that changes things, even though you're kind of like amused by it. But I've been I've been really privileged and lucky to get out to a lot more conventions. A lot of them are smaller things. I was at I'm going to be at five libraries across central Michigan in in mid September after the anniversary, but not too much later. Um, That's like a library tour, but going as as you know um, those kinds of things have just really been increasing more and more and have been awesome. So there's the big you know humongous shows, and then there's the smaller ones, and the smaller ones are great for meeting. To meet people in their local areas, and um, and just talking to small town people, and, and this one in Arkansas, uh, in Louisiana, I was at a library. I didn't go to the little to the Lake Charles conventions this year, but one of them helped me get hooked up with a library that had a one-day event. It's called Creative Con, and they were a library trying to very smart trying to reach out to you know their pop culture community, the different a lot of different things and i had so many people come up and thank me for being there that i was an la star trek person you know who had come to bring that to them locally and um and uh, oh here's a great story again this is fresh so i had had somebody find about 10 of the red cover companions at a you know in a warehouse somewhere my friend rusty who's who's one of our uh, Contributing producers on on Connor Wrath, and he's a model maker and Rusty Hero. You've seen him out there, and I'll just tell a story on Rusty. He found those for me, so I brought two or three to have with me at this event because it was a library, and I felt I should be more bookish, and I had these. You know, they, they're out of print, so I had one. I had, I sold two of them, and I sold the second one, and somebody who was there that day had bought one and had it at their table, and this girl who was a little histrionic she, young lady came back around and she came back and she came up and I don't want to say she was screeching, but she came she was, she was endearing. She was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. What happened to your book? What happened to your book? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I sold the second one. And she was like, no, no, I drove an hour and a half just so I could have you sign one for my dad because he's been a fan for 50 years. <laughs> and she was like, 20, <laughs> and I felt so horrible. And it was, it was, it was like this moment and she was almost sobbing and, and I, uh, and I looked around. I was like, um, um, you know, in my customer service, you know, I'm sorry, hon. That's his life voice wanted to say, I'm really, really sorry. Maybe we work on something. And then I had a light bulb and found the guy who, who is not only one of the guys that works on the conventions I was at in Lake Charles but is one of my Portal 47 people. And I said, um, would you mind – if um I, I've got some more of these at home, I would get you another one. And I hadn't signed it, signed it yet. That's the thing. Uh would you mind if I have it for her? So we I worked that out, turned around, and she had gone. <laughs> somebody this is this is so cool. So somebody, one of the organizers, you know, knew knew somebody that knew somebody that knew her. So by this this wacky doodle hookup of phones and texting and phoning, they got to her. She came back. She almost had like a, a, a smiley, cryy meltdown Aww. because we had done all this for her. So she could give it to her dad, you know, Carl. His name was Carl. I remember that now. And we took pictures and she just like would not stop hugging me. And it So that's a huge story over a little wacky moment that just took over for about 30 minutes at this, you know, at this uh, medium-sized university city in Louisiana at this one-day community library event. And – and as much as the big, I always meant to blog that story, and I didn't. But as much as the you know Comic Cons and the and the Vegases and all of that are huge and all that, that's still like a that's still a kernel of fandom, and that's what it's all about. And here it was not even her you know her saga, but here it was you know like crossing the generations, her dad and her, and you know you hear from so many fans that had that same kind of story too. So anyway, that was. Mm-hmm. I'll shut up now. There's two there's two more than I thought I had in me, but um, that's. That's like such a range of. I just love those kind of stories when they happen like that. That's an awesome yeah. story. like That's that's so cool of you to do that for her. Well, you know, I just um, if people are fan fans, you just want to you want to try to do something. And and look, Barry, he gave up his book for her, knowing you know that I'd get him another one. It, he wasn't like married to it, and I signed it for her and for her dad, and and you know, I was just glad we were able to do that. But that's we get all so caught up in the numbers and the dollars and the histrionics and the comment threads and the, and, you know, even the lawsuits and all the stuff and the deadlines and all that. But that's, that's still what fandom is about. And the cool thing is, even as we're in a world where, you know, Comic-Cons are huge and every, you know, these casts and these shows just roll out and are we, are we about to have peak Marvel or peak DC, you know peak Comic Con even now. Mike, am, am I coining some phrases here? Maybe. There's not, I've, I saw I've seen a couple of stories lately. We're wondering if the big era of the big booming Comic Cons is about to blow itself out. You know, but on top of all that, it was Star Trek that busted this wide open yep. in the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, and just in time for Star Wars to take it up to a a new height, and then they kind of played, you know, back-and-forth patty-cake for a while, and, you know, and then everything else caught up, and Star Trek almost became a victim of its own success when you had so many series out there, and then things, you know, boomed on the big screen with all the cinematic universes of the comics. But, you know, Star Trek was there at the beginning of that and lit people's imaginations on fire and their loyalties and their, you know, ownership of, of what a fan was like, even more than what a fan usually meant. They weren't just sheep after you know, Valentino or Bing Crosby or Elvis or Frank Sinatra, you know, or the Monkees or the Beatles. They were, you know, invested in this top-to-bottom franchise on all these different levels. And, and nothing like that existed before. I mean, there had been fans who enjoyed reading Sherlock Holmes. There were probably Sherlock Holmes societies and Edgar Rice Burroughs societies <laughs> and all that. And there had been sci-fi cons, you know, the original first fandom from the 30s onward and the Hugos and all of that. But nothing blew it open, you know, Star Trek, there's that joke, I think maybe Rick Berman made it, about Star Trek and porn built the internet. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) What's amazing is if you go back and look at the 70s and the Will Committee and, you know, we'll send it to you for a SACI, a self-addressed downtown. It's like Star Trek was, there was a passion and a need to do all this stuff before the internet existed. So people were doing it on paper by mail, you know, waiting impatiently for the internet to, to come along and be invented and catch up in 20 years. And um, you know, uh, it's just it, nothing like Star Trek existed first, and now it's like, oh yeah, well now our cast is going to be at Comic Con, and yeah, we expect it. We'll be in Hall H and have six thousand people, la di da, you know. And there's a parade of them, and that people have been in line for since midnight, la di da. But but Star Trek was the first, and those little stories that I shared with you are just um, are just are just reminders that we cut through all the big stuff and get back to what it's really all about, and and uh, I just love it when they happen. Absolutely. And I'm sorry I've gone on and on and on here, but um, I haven't no. talked about this stuff. You guys got this out of me.
2: Quite <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I, I know we're running a little bit short on time, but it just occurred to me that while I have you, I don't think that we talked about this prior. So I'm not sure if you know this story, but if you would allow me just for really to really quickly tell you a story okay. uh, about the last convention uh, last year that that. it it was a special memory to me uh, because it was kind of a sad moment for me at the convention that was made better by, by somebody. So it was, I think it was the last night of STLV 2015. And I had just gotten through an incredible weekend of meeting some of my now incredibly great friends and people who are podcasting with me, Heather, of course, being Mm -hmm. one of them, uh, Claire, who, who couldn't be here tonight, the guys from five-year mission who've been my friends for a couple of years now, and a whole bunch of other people. And, it was the the final night of the con, and, and I and I think we had all made a vow that we were going to stay up as late as we possibly could, and we we're going to hang out at the masquerade, and we we're going to burn the all the midnight oil that everybody had, and the night is 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 dragging on, and and people start giving up, and like up oh, you know we're going to bed, forget it, we're going to bed, and one by one everybody starts filtering out, and I'm 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 just resolute that I'm going to stay there. I'm staying at the masquerade, damn it. And I'm going to stay here until everyone is gone. And sure enough, finally, everyone is gone. And um, there's people there, but um, they Even weren't people you? there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, Jeff. it was horrible. And I'm like, all right, well, I, I'm defeated. I guess I have to go back to my room now. And, and, and the con is officially over for me. I start to walk away. And suddenly, as if... As if you transported down from nowhere, Larry appears in front of me and just uh, strikes up a conversation with me, literally out of nowhere. I, I, you just, I don't know what happened. You just happened to be there, and uh, that was the conversation that led to you being on the Tricorder transmissions back in uh, August, right after the convention. And it was one of those things where I was feeling really bummed out, and it was a conversation that cheered me up quite a bit. Oh, Uh, just meeting one more final person. And we hadn't really had had a lot of interaction prior to that. I mean, I'd seen you in the vendor room and said hi and introduced myself and and stuff. But we didn't really have much of a conversation until that point. I think we talked for a good half hour. Oh, probably. For 40 minutes. Um,
3: (laughs) I had no business doing that. But I mean, it was it was. Yeah, (laughs) it was.
2: I'm glad. No, it was a great memory. And your
3: life was changed forever.
2: It was. (laughs) (laughs) It was. That was great. It was a great moment because it was a it was a kind of a sad moment for me knowing that that Incredible convention that was kind of almost a life-altering event for me. (laughs) Weird as
3: that sounds, but I think you guys probably understand that more than I wrote. I wrote a blog post like the first, second, the second or third year of of loss of 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 my blog of Trekland, and it was called uh, "Vegas in My Rearview Mirror," and it was just like a recap of the of the convention weekend. But it was it was as things were starting to shift you know and people weren't one of the things i found out after about 2009 2010 that aside from just showing up and like you know throwing facts at people or digging stuff out of my archives and throwing it at people and having to go oh that's cool i never knew that before <laughs> but one of the things i realized was the the landscape of things was so different between the professional, you know, Hollywood media world and the coming of what the movies meant, and that these weren't invest, you know, these were actors who were doing movies and other things, and how that was different than a series, and the Trek fandom that we'd always known, and how some of these young bucks didn't know pre-next gen fandom, and how that was, lo- and I, I started calling it dot connecting, but I was able to start doing that. And I guess this blog post had some of that in it. And so years and years and years go by, and back when the original Star Trek dot com had message boards, and then you know they went away as things evolved, and things come and go and then a few years later, social media some of the people that moved the who were the regulars on the old original star trek dot com star trek logs i guess here's a shout out for him. The guy wrote to me, and he was like, oh we like they just like worship the days when the old Star Trek.com was going and the way it was done then as a news team and and the coverage of actual, you know, like dateline news and things. But he I so they they invited me to come on. I just posted something. Hey guys, go over and look at my blog and my videos and in you know, my interviews and and here's my stuff. And one guy came in and said, This is all like an old style message thread, right? A forum board. And he's like, Is this Larry check? The Larry Nimovich, <laughs> Larry, Larry Nimovich, who wrote Vegas in my rearview mirror. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is like four or five years later. You know, it was just a thing. It was like a recap of the con weekend. And he said, that that like changed my life. And I, I said that, but that's he more as well, you know, more as he might as well have been saying that. And this guy, but I mean, you just it wasn't weird. He wasn't a stalker. It wasn't, you know, strange. He had a perfectly functional life. But the point is, like, you just never know. And you guys are doing this podcast and all the people who are doing podcasts and blogs. And, and one of my things last two or three years since I started working on the doc is everybody record your local fandom history before it all passes because it's been going yep. on now since the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Yes. and You know, do that. But whatever you do, you just never know how, you know, those, those drops in the ripple of the pond. You never yeah. know what you're going to do is going to affect somebody or, mm. or you know, what you're going to add to their life. So – Back to your story. I'm glad I'm glad we had that time together per Carol Burnett. And I'm glad that was a that was a fun little moment for you, Jeff. I until until conventions. I remember how it was like, you know, the last night of a show and we'd have strike and nobody wanted to go back to normal days or Nope. You know, or after any big special event, conventions, the last day of a convention, you'd worked hard on it all year as an or as a runner, organizer, much less as a you know, attending fan. And class reunions, oh, my God, that was the worst. <laughs> there were two really big ones that I went to. Nobody wanted to, like, go. Nobody would ever get out of the pool of the jacuzzi. Um, it was that same feeling. You just don't want, you know, the, if I get out of here, that it's over until whenever. So I totally get the moment. And um, that's why I was laughing about concrete <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: getting bigger and bigger. But anyway, so anyway, um, I'll just say you're welcome.
1: Oh.
2: Well,
3: thank you. Thank you very much
2: for that. And, and you know, before we, we wrap up the show, we've been going for quite a while now. I just wanted oh. to ask you really quickly, do you have any tips for anyone whose
3: first con will be STLV50? Wow. Well, if you're coming to this one, like I warned you not to start with, but <laughs> 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 so many hundreds <laughs> apparently ignored my advice um, and good on them. Uh, I would just say don't... Be fooled into thinking it's all about, I, I kid and I say the sheep fans, but I'm going to say don't be fooled into thinking it's all about what's on the printed program. Although there's certainly moments that you want to do and be there for. And you will certainly, if you've paid for those photo ops and autographs, you will want to do that. But just remember that the coolest thing about, and even if you've gone, especially if you've gone to local conventions, and maybe that's all you got out of it aside from your one or two friends you went with, but if you're on your own, a, you won't be on your own for long because standing in line or sitting in your chair time after time, you're gonna you're gonna meet you're gonna forget what a universal language Star Trek is. Even if even if somebody's a niner and somebody else is an original series person and somebody else, you know, loves Spot and somebody else loves Porthos um, or whatever. You're going to have that common language and bond. We say this on the tour all the time. You can come in from different countries and within a few hours realize you're all in one big family. And it's that same old fan appeal that everybody's talked about for 30, 40 years. You know, there are no strangers in in fandom, much less Trek fandom. And the attitude of Star Trek transcends the fans. And I think, I think people in other sci-fi and comics fandoms. I knew this but I always like get the validation how they talk about Star Trek fandom is the nicest. And mm-hmm. I've had some people kind of like sneer that and you go, "Oh, Star Trek fans are the nicest fans." You know, like so and so fans would never put up with this or they would never do this. Um but it's it all, you know, it all generates from Gene and the message and why people, you know, their their core interest. for most people, their core interest in the positive future and in in all that we we all know so well. But if you're a first timer, that's all going to happen. Just be awake, be alive, and aware of of how it'll be. So much stuff will be off the grid, and be open to that. I don't know how you can not be open to it, <laughs> but uh, you know it'll be all over you. And you know, and stop and remember that a lot of the best moments aren't planned. And and if you have no concept of this within a day, you will totally get it. So mm-hmm. that's that's my you know advice to people. Just not not don't get your panties in too much of a wad. <laughs> if things go off the schedule a little bit, because it's just going to be an awesome weekend, and you know, and you set aside enough time and you paid enough to be there, you're going to be soaking it all up, anyway. And and if anybody hears this, um, let me just say this too. I hope uh, any anybody in your audience tonight that is hearing this, hopefully some first timers, please come by and tell me that because I, I seriously, guys, you guys, since you focused on conventions, I haven't talked on these topics or told some of these stories ever, in ages. So I'd really like to hear from people at Vegas or, you know, sooner if you cross paths with me. But I'd really like to hear from people that heard this. And uh, I'd like to hear how pe- have, how my advice went down. I think it's what anybody would tell newbies. I'd like to hear people that uh, were able to take the advice to heart and, and had a moment of their own on their first time.
2: I don't know about you, Heather, but I don't know if we ever need to ask that question again after that <laughs>
0: perfect answer. <laughs> I agree. That was a great response.
2: We're just going to edit that into every Shore Leave episode from now until the end of time.
3: <laughs> oh, and uh, uh, never wear anything purple. <laughs> <laughs> There's
2: no purple in Star Trek.
3: Well, except for Troy dresses. But this is why that's a neat point. <laughs> <laughs> something stupid. But no, guys, this has, been, this has been so awesome. I've really enjoyed going where I rarely podcast or interview before. So, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for stopping by the show. This has been a really
2: incredible night for both of us, I think.
3: Yep, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't go down there. <laughs> you're going to have plenty other awesome days in your life, Jeff. Oh, we saw, I
2: have before, and I'm sure we'll have more the next time you're back on the show.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I and I will just say, if you've got listeners that aren't uh, STLV bound, I've got a whole – like I said, I have a huge calendar this year, which is very awesome and privileged to be part of. So. Um look on the and my calendar list is up there and there's events big and small and I'm trying to get more to the east, the east and the northwest. I mean the east yeah, and the north. You need northeast. to come to the east. Yeah. So um so I'm gonna be you know, we're I'm looking New York is in flux, New York City, but I'm supposed to be at a new convention in Albany called Northeast Trek in November. Oh. Well, if you're going to do New York City, you have to tell me ahead
2: of time so that I can be – I'm only an hour away by train, so you have to tell me. OK.
3: Well, I don't, if, unless – if you're not already planning to be there, but uh, – I, I was. I don't think it will be a secret, so um, okay, that'll be great.
2: that will be great.
3: Fair enough. Yeah. So where else can people find you on the internet if they're looking for more Larry?
1: <laughs>
3: they're not ducking it by now. <laughs> Um, so LarryNimichek.com, which is going to get a facelift this summer, hope here in the next month or so, uh, is a good hub. And uh, Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook. Although I have a Facebook page for the of Wrath and a Facebook page for Portal Forty Seven, the, the public page. And I have a page for um, my Trekland trunk, which is where I get a lot of archival stuff out and some old, 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 old retail stuff from the like seventies and eighties and get it out and share with people. And mean, they're, they're so off, but it's. It's my non-slimy way of just putting it out there. And if you're a collector, then it's there. And if not, I'm not going to talk about it otherwise. Um, and at Larry Dimitrzhuk on Twitter. And um, what am I thinking? I'm going to here in one of my plans for this year is uh, – I, I have a YouTube channel, but it used to be my free server instead of being a YouTube channel. and I'm going to rebrand <laughs> that for one of my names. But uh, I, um, I'm going to launch an Instagram. I'm finally going to oh. do Instagram. I've been wanting to do a third social media, so I'm going to do that here in the next month. And um, so, yeah, uh, at Larry Nemechek on Twitter and Trekland on Facebook, Larry Nemechek's Trekland, and LarryNemechek.com is good as any. All right. Thank you once again, Larry, for being here. This has been really, really fun. Yep. Oh, it's been fun. Yeah. And good to hear from you both.
0: Yep. Oh. We'll be seeing you soon.
3: Okay, Heather. It's, it's counting down.
0: I hear it's under 90 days. Yeah, I think we're 83, maybe, something around there.
3: Heather's 82. keeping count. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do when it gets to 47 days, do a big whoop. I will.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody out there, stay tuned. Heather and I have some listener questions we're going to go over in a few minutes, so we'll be right back with you. All right, as promised, Heather and I are back with some listener questions from the Facebook group. Heather, are you ready to dive into these?
0: I'm ready. We got a lot of stuff to go over.
2: Yes. Yes, we definitely do. So let's see. Our first question is from Robert, and Robert says... What type of power slash energy bars, uh, reusable water bottles, and power bricks for your phone do you recommend? I have things that I can add into this, but Heather, why don't you go first?
0: Okay, because I'm relying on you to do the power brick for your phone part. (laughs) Uh,
2: Because
0: I just take my charger and I do have a little extra battery one for iPhone, um, but I'll let you handle that one. Um, so power energy bars, I will throw out our little STLV bod tag that we're using (laughs) on Twitter, um, to just talk about what we're doing to shape up for the 50th. Um, there's a group on Facebook too, that is 50 by 50th. uh, And that's our little group on Facebook. Um, anyway, so I eat a lot of protein bars, The only thing for me with the power energy bars is that I try not to eat added sugar. Mm -hmm. So the things that I am eating, other people may not want vice vice versa. Um, But I really like like the Think Thin Mm -hmm. bars I found. They're high protein and they have very little sugar Um, and good on the calorie bars. But there are so many different power energy bars out there to try. Um, Have you ever tried any?
2: power bars or the yeah. particular so yeah you know what this question is going to force me to be a little bit more personal <laughs> than i usually like to get on these things but uh robert you're, you're twisting my arm here but this may be revealing a little bit more about me than, than people might want to know but i um uh I, I guess a lot of my friends on on twitter uh know about my weight loss that i went through uh many years ago so i lost about 90 pounds and I've kept it off for God, almost nine years now.
1: Wow.
2: Um, going on ten, I think. so I, i've uh, I went through a complete lifestyle change. And part of that was almost becoming obsessed with my fiber intake as horrible <laughs> and as old, fuddy duddy as that sounds. <laughs> Uh, I I became obsessed with getting my full day's fiber every day. Now, say what you want about it. It's been my mantra. It's been my thing for many years, and I've never stopped doing it. So when I go out to STLV, I always buy a box of, and you're going to laugh, fiber one bars. (laughs) I kid you not. And that way, because, you know, the things I usually do, uh, a lot of my my fiber stuff in the morning for breakfast. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's where I usually get the bulk of it. And when I'm at the convention, I can't do my normal breakfast regimen for the most part. Yeah. So yeah. I have to find other ways to uh, feed my obsession. <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word but so yeah usually I buy a couple boxes of the Fiber One uh, bars like they, they have like granola bars and they also have these really good uh, cookie and like fruit snack bar things okay so I usually get a mix of those so if I'm in the mood for something sweet you know, kind of snacky, I go for the the cookie bar or like the lemon square. And if I'm, you know, just in the mood for like something like a normal snack, I'll just go for the regular granola E1 that's really not too, too sweet. It's more of like a, like kind of a brandy sort of gritty taste.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really comes down to personal preference on what you like out there. I've had, I think the Nature's Own granola bars. I've had, um... Let's oh, see, the ones Laura. that spray
2: crumbs everywhere when you break them?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Lara Bars, uh, Cliff Bars. I've cycled through. Cliff's not bad. A lot of them. Um, and they're all great choices and they're all something that you can buy at home and mm-hmm. then pack in your luggage and have it there when you get there if you're not able to go to a grocery or anything like that. I also snack on apples. which Those are good. You know, it just, whatever you can think of that will survive in your luggage, unless you're going to a store when you get there, maybe throw into your bag. And then the water bottles, uh, in my daily life, I use, uh, these glass bottles. I get them at target Zulu. They're called Zulu. Um, and what I like about them is that the top is not like a straw or anything. It's just, you can drink out of it. Like you would drink out of a glass, um, I find that when I'm working out, it's harder for me to drink out of a straw, like a Camelback (laughs) bottle, uh, than to just be able to gulp it down. And I like the glass bottles more. Um, But honestly, when we're there, I think the plan is just to go to the store, Costco, whatever, and just get like the $3 pack of 24 bottles of water.
2: That's probably what we're going to do.
0: Um, I would like to... I don't like plastic bottles. I don't like creating that waste. But unfortunately, I think uh, this is probably a time when I will have to do that. Hmm. Um, any insight on the power bricks for your phone? Uh, yeah, I do
2: have some insight on the power bricks. But I'll really quickly second your vote for glass yep. water bottles. Um, it's the, far as I'm concerned, the far superior to plastic uh, and or metal. I know they have those um, those special plastic bottles that they say don't have any of those horrible chemicals in them anymore, but I still don't trust them. Yeah. And uh, glass, definitely. And I will make one more recommendation for water bottles because uh, carrying a bottle around with you all day at the con can get kind of annoying uh, most of us carry like a little backpack or something, mm-hmm. but if you're going to buy a water bottle specifically for use of the convention, try to find one where the cap has like a clip on it so that yeah. you can either clip it to your belt or if you have a backpack, you can clip it to like the key holder inside your backpack so it doesn't tip over and leak all over your cool <laughs> merchandise that you bought, no. right?
1: No. Because that
2: sucks. That happened to me once. Trust me on this one. You do not want soaking wet Tribble and Power Bar in your backpack.
0: No, definitely not. And the nice thing, I mean, so realistically, you could bring your own water bottle, and then they have water stations in all of the main rooms. Um, You know, does creation like you to fill your twenty ounce water bottle with their water? Who who knows? Probably not. But the water's there for us, so I say consume it any way that you want to. And uh, that's, it's a good way to stay hydrated. I find that I'm just, I don't carry a water bottle on me while I'm there. And so I wind up being super dehydrated because mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm drinking like a fraction of what I typically drink in a day. Um, so yeah. It's so that's,
2: dry there.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you're, even though like the convention hall is smoke free, Anytime you have to walk to the room, you still have to go through the casino, and so you're getting that smoky vibe too. Yep. And uh, that's my it's goal. Bad. Yeah, my goal this year is to have a big supply of water. I attempted drinking from the sink in my room last year. Ew, I do not gross. advise that stuff.
2: Oh, it's actually. the most sulfury water ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, i it, I had. Oh, it was it's not bad. something I want to do again. So. Mm. Um, you know, maybe if anybody has friends that would be willing to pick up water for you too, or you can pay a little bit extra for water down in the, the store. Um, I think there's a couple stores that have bottles of water.
2: Very good. Very good. So getting back to the power brick question for Robert. Yes, I, I do have some recommendations. So, uh, I usually swear by a brand, uh, called anchor or anchor, A N K E R, uh they they have some very good deals on those on amazon.com tons of different capacity so it really depends on what type of phone that you're bringing so the the signal on the convention floor i found to be rather good mm-hmm. so uh they they've run whatever cellular uh, repeaters they need to through the convention area so that your battery isn't getting drained by lousy signal yeah. but uh, as Robert alluded to with his question, you're going to be taking a lot of pictures. You're probably going to be texting your friends that are at the convention to coordinate things. You're probably going to be uh, posting to social media a lot, maybe making phone calls back home. So yeah, your battery is probably going to take a more of a hit than it would uh, on a normal average everyday scenario. So uh, bringing some sort of backup juice with you. Is probably a good idea because even having a little charger on you, there's not a lot of outlets that I remember seeing uh, littered around the convention.
0: No. Uh,
2: and most of the time you, when you do find one, other people will already be sitting next to it <laughs> yep, uh, and charging. I remember seeing some in the Quark's bar where people had their phones plugged in. So mm-hmm. um, I would probably recommend a good balance between uh, capacity and 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 weight and size because Mm -hmm. you can get some ones that are absolutely ginormous you know uh, twenty thousand milliamps and higher but they get big and bulky and tough to carry and um you know you you don't forget you have to uh, actually have a little cable with it if it doesn't have one built in to hook up to your phone and you know trying to keep your phone in your hand while you got the brick hanging off it can be a bit of a pain (laughs) in the butt too So um, you may not want to go for one of the gigantic ones. Um, You know, one that's at least, say, twice the size or three times the size of your phone's internal battery is usually good to give you a charge and a half, you know. Um, So that's usually what I would go for. You can probably catch one, a good quality uh, Anker or even a Mophie if you feel like spending a little bit more. You can get a Mophie brick and you should probably be able to get one for like 30 bucks, 40 bucks a decent quality. But don't skimp on the price because if you buy the cheap ones typically they they don't hold nearly what they're rated to hold so uh, you you don't want to get out there and you know save five ten bucks on it and you get out there and find out that it's only going to give you like a quarter of a charge or half a charge because it's a cheap you know piece of junk so
0: (laughs) yeah you know definitely spend a couple
2: more bucks and and you know go for one that has a good rating so uh you know keep that in mind too
0: yeah i had a mophie case a couple years ago for my phone. And then I think last year I have just a small charger. It's maybe the size of a pack of quarters. And I do have to carry my lightning cable around to connect it, but it's small (laughs) enough that it'll, you know, fit in my purse easily. And, uh, I, I, when I needed breaks, I would go up to the room and just charge my phone for a while. But, uh, yeah, both of those were good. I don't remember what the what the brand name of the little one I had is, but I got it on Amazon and it was less than twenty dollars. So they're out there, um, mm-hmm. most definitely. So I think actually that's kind of a good segue. When we were mm-hmm. talking to Larry um, about the vendors' room experience and mm-hmm. what we could expect from him, he mentioned some some things I had not heard um, about vendors' room setup and possibly there being more space and. Typically, a lot of the actors have booths in the vendors' room, but it sounds like that may even change, and they they may have a, a room for those people. Hmm. Um, but what I what I thought was interesting was mentioning having more like corporate en- entities uh, in the vendors' room, yeah. like that phone. <laughs> I'm not sure how I
2: feel about that.
0: I don't. I. Uh, no, we, you know, definitely that different types of technology cater to to Star Trek fans. And I know that, um, they did the X prize for the tricorder they're developing. They Mm. had an X prize booth, I think two years ago, and you could go and do a picture, um, and they would stick a little thing on it, but it was basically for, The whole X-Prize competition and and building this tricorder. So that caters to us as Star Trek fans. So, you know, we were into that, but like, I really didn't understand why there was a cell phone case vendor or...
1: (laughs)
2: <laughs> Other, let me tell you, that was the first thing that popped into my mind when Larry brought that up was that really yeah. annoying cell phone case guy because the guy I was walking by, I had no idea who this guy was, but he was a vendor at that cell phone case slash battery table mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, hey, and I had my phone in my hand at, my, at the time. And he goes, oh, hey, what kind of phone do you have? And I turn and I look and he literally grabs the phone out of my hand (sighs) and starts trying to put another case on it and selling me a case. I'm like, dude, seriously, did you just grab my phone out of my (laughs) That's You don't do that.
0: No, no. I'm like,
2: oh, that's the last thing we need is more of those kinds of people.
0: Oh, that's the worst thing to do, to our kinds. Yes,
2: aside you do not take my it, technology from yeah,
0: it. Yeah, aside from it just being obnoxious in general. I mean, it's like those kiosks at the mall where they try to sell you the nail stuff or whatever. Oh, um, Horrible. I really hope that we don't see too many of, of something like that that does not have some connection to Star Trek. Um, at least that the cell phone cases had Star Trek stuff on them.
2: They, I don't think they had any of them. I,
0: no, it was a, it was like a Verizon kiosk was set up in the vendor's room, and it's the first time that I've ever seen anything like that, and it was very mm-hmm. distracting and just very, I, distasteful. It, so I'm I'm interested to see what what is going to happen this year, um, yeah. and how they're going oh, to. I'm oof. a little
2: concerned about that.
0: Yeah, if we we find out any more information, we will definitely keep everyone up to date on that. Um, but. Uh, down here, it was Neil that was asking about the vendor's room, um, what's, a, what's available in terms of merchandise, roughly how many of the smaller stars tend to sign there.
2: Oh, so many questions from Neil.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. We love the questions. Um, and honestly, the thing about this convention I'm finding is that I can't say, well, based on years prior, it's going to be like this. Because based on years prior... The Star Trek never Star Trek convention never sold out. No. Um, so yeah, with hearing about uh, possibilities of splitting the rooms up, um, you know, I don't know what's what's going to happen because typically there are, I don't know, like at least ten different booths with some mm-hmm. of the uh, oh, I don't want to the B list stars, the ones that just aren't as as in demand, um, and then people like Richard Hatch. He's, he had a booth for several years. Yeah, I'd say there are like around 10 to 12 of those typically.
2: Yeah, typically. And some rotate in and out on specific days. Some may not be there every single day. So definitely right. check the uh, the con schedule to see, you know, if someone that you're looking for that you know is going to be in the vendor room. If they're announced to be in the vendor room, just make sure that you're looking to see what days are actually going to be there. Because he, and also remember, people that are, that are in the vendor room, this is a really good thing to think about. They also will usually have panels that involve those people. Mm -hmm. So there will be times where they will not be at their table. So if you go there specifically looking to see someone, make sure you look at the panel schedule and see if that particular person is in a panel or doing a professional photo op. Because some do cross up the pro photo ops with table appearances. So uh, I know... um, Um. Joan Collins, I think, was, was one of those that kind of crossed up both. I remember she was only there for a very short time in the actual room.
0: Yeah, I remember kind of looking over and seeing her, and that's about as close as I got. Um, because honestly, I don't think I sat on her panel, and I did not do the photo op. Because her, her photo op was only with Shatner. Right. Um, which would have been, you know, City on the Edge is one of my favorite maybe possibly the favorite of, of Star Trek episodes for me. Um, but I just, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it, so I didn't do it. Didn't sit on it. I feel kind of bad about that. But, you know, at this point, all those people, plus the the other um, actor vendors who were there, may be in a totally separate room. Hmm. So, um, I guess we'll see. And, you know, the lines... uh sometimes there have been pretty long lines, but a lot of them, it seems pretty steadily, uh, they're, they're accessible. There may be one or two people waiting to talk to them. Um, yeah, it
2: depends uh, on who it is too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know like when I got George Takei's autograph years ago, we were in the front of the line, but the line wound up being very large, snaking throughout the vendor's room. (laughs) Um, whereas, like Connor Trenier and Dominic Keating, who are usually sitting together, they're, they're not usually overwhelmed. Hmm.
2: True. Yeah. I remember uh, Harlan Ellison had a ridiculously oh, long line in the vendor room when he was yeah. there. I mean, it was people. I remember people were in that line for well over an hour. I believe waiting it. to get to him. And, uh, and I think he actually just got up and walked away at one point.
1: <laughs>
2: but yeah, so typically though, oh. Neil, um, The people, like Heather was saying, the people in the vendor room, for the most part, um, because they're there, most of them are there for the duration of the con or for multiple days, and they're there from opening, almost opening to closing, depending on the age of the person in question. Mm -hmm. Some of them may come down later and leave a little earlier, but if you go in and they have a line, chances are if you go back in an hour or so, there won't be a line for those people. So, I mean, uh, Frank, I remember, and this is actually kind of a sad memory um, in a way. But I remember the first uh, couple of times Craig and I went around to see Grace Lee Whitney. She had a line and we're like, well, you know, we'll come back later. We'll come back later. And finally, um, another day we came back and she had no line at all. And we were we talked to her for God, it must have been a good 15, 20 minutes. just chatting. And she was telling us all about her life and her past and, you know, you know, fighting and overcoming addiction and uh, Mm -hmm. all these, the programs that she worked with. And it was, it was actually amazing. It was really, really amazing that uh, you can have those kind of conversations with those folks.
0: I hope that they're still as accessible, even if they're in a different room. I mean, I, I imagine they would just have those, those people there and then the other people would kind of funnel in and out i just started reading her autobiography and um i made it through the first chapter and had to take a break because uh, the the story that she recounts of um some abuse mm. well, rape rape that she experienced um while working on star trek and then her being written out of the show it's just it's a lot yeah it's, it's a quite lot horrible and i i now regret um Kind of like Larry's story, where he was telling us about the the fan who was compelled to go after Leonard died. Um, I very much regret not having gotten a photo op with her or or the chance to talk to her um, because now she's gone. Yeah, she and was such a so, sweetheart too. Oh, I know she was. the, She was there for Mark and Amy's wedding. And, yep. Um, you know how cool is that? But it's ah uh, yeah definitely if. Uh, take advantage while these stars are here with, with us and uh, ask yourself, are you going to regret it when they're gone and, and take the opportunity to, to talk to them, to get their even if it's their autograph, because it's, it's so important right now.
2: I, I agree. And you know something, Neil, I, I don't, uh, I don't know Neil yet, but I know I've been talking to him online and, and I know we're going to be meeting up at the cons. I'm looking forward to meeting him because I don't know his history of going to different types of conventions, but I know a lot of other conventions aside from STLV that I go to, the the celebrities who are sitting in vendor rooms have handlers that Mm -hmm. sit with them that kind of shoo you off and and don't allow you to hang around asking a lot of questions. But one of the great things about the vendor room in in STLV is most of them there do not. They're mostly usually sitting by themselves, hanging out. They take the money from you directly. They sign your stuff. They hand it to you. You don't have to worry about someone telling you what you can and can't say or yeah. what you can and can't do. So um, the only ones I've seen that had them were some of the, I guess, uh, I guess some of what, what they consider the, the quote unquote bigger. So yeah. like like Joan Collins had one. I, I know Garrett Wong has people that sit yeah. in his booth with him. Yeah. And, um, you know, but other than other than that, most of them don't have anybody with them. So. You don't have to worry about some of the stress that comes with um, seeing someone at a table at normal everyday conventions.
0: Yeah.
2: So I kind of like that, that little yeah. bit of a benefit.
0: Yeah, it's it's great. And you have a better chance of having them personalize something, um, an yep. autograph. Um, I did and not that. charge
2: you extra for it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I did that with um, Armin a while back and had to tip him autograph something to my fiance and he, he wrote that on there and we had a nice chat and he's he couldn't be here this year to meet you and he's like well bring him back next year it's just it's, <laughs> it's 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 so much fun and it's such an easy way to connect with these people because they are people they are humans like you and I and you get to just chat like buddies um So definitely, definitely take advantage of that when you can.
2: Totally, totally. So let me roll real quick back to Neil's uh, first question. I I just wanted to, I had some strange observations about this over the last couple of years. So he asked what kind of merchandise is available in the vendor room. Now, I remember thinking to myself uh, both times that I went to STLV in 2014 and 2015 that, the spread of merchandise in the vendor room was a little strange to me because you have some tables that are what you would expect. Dedicated vendors who are selling ninety-five percent Star Trek stuff. You know, you got the you got the Roddenberry.com booth, you got a couple of really heavyweight toy vendors there who've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of figures
1: <laughs> available.
2: Across all different types, um, and then you had like almost people like you'd see at a flea market, you know, people who have like um, you know old collectible Trek glasses from what was it Taco Bell or Burger yeah. King or yeah. one of those places, yeah. and um, like like used magazines and used books and you know older merchandise that wasn't new, yeah. Um, and then you had people who were selling stuff that was completely unrelated to star trek in any way shape or form
0: yeah jewelry i there are there are two jewelry vendors there yep. there's a native american jewelry booth mm-hmm. they're great really nice people all they of are. these vendors are really nice i bought several pieces um from the one gym gym vendor and i i wish i knew all of their names but i don't um yeah, it's really a hodgepodge of everything, but that I really enjoy because then you can find obscure things sure. and I like to give obscure gifts. Um, so it helps because I can, okay, number one, if you haven't been before, you're going to walk through the vendor's room, like, yeah. I don't know. Five to ten times a day, yep, every day. Pretty much. Uh, it's yeah. There's a lot of stuff there to look at, but also um, it's just your friends may be there. It's something to do. You're gonna run into a celebrity, uh, etc. So <laughs> expect to be there a lot. But the nice thing is that I keep going back and like going to the different vendors that I may not have spent time at before. And perusing what they have, mm-hmm. and you can you can find some really great stuff. There are there's one booth that does replicas, prop replicas, mm-hmm. uh, yep. and they yep. have Doctor McCoy's uh, medical kit. It's just like oh, it's so cool. Um, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, it's. I almost want to say it's like you can find anything there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, and multiple costume. Vendors, like replica costume vendors. So if you want to get your, you know, quasi-authentic Star Trek uniforms from any genre, you'll be able to get them there for the most part.
0: Most definitely. Now, I will say this. With the vendors that are there, um, so I have two dresses from Anovos. I speak very highly of the quality of my dresses, but they have had some issues. Um, They've gotten really Mm -hmm. big, and so they've had some trouble— meaning certain deadlines. Yeah, fulfillment uh, is,
2: a, is a problem for them.
0: Yeah. And and communicating those yep. issues. Um so I have found that the selection of merchandise they have there available for you to purchase at the convention is pretty small. Yep. Uh so definitely, you know, maybe they'll be better prepared this year.
2: But. Hopefully. Yeah. So buy early. <laughs> if you're planning to buy anything from them, uh, buy early. Don't even
0: buy it now. Honestly, I don't I think they're so backordered on everything that you're not going to get it before the convention um, unless it's something very small like Pips. Hmm. Um, but there there's another man there and I know his name and I can't think of it. It might be Ivan. And he has some um, screen used costumes that he brings every year, a uh, lot enterprise jumpsuits mm. I think he's had. So he's there and then you can find there's a corset. Uh, he makes corsets and corset dresses vendor mm. and he has them in different Star Trek material pattern. I've got both a corset and a dress from him. Uh, and then a lot of the vendors just have like the standard, Oh, Halloween costume version of like the into darkness dresses. Uh, so it's really kind of all kinds of quality. Hmm. Um, so I, you know, if you want to wait until you get there, you, you may possibly be able to find something. It depends on what you want. Um, but a lot of people like to plan ahead. And when we do our cosplay episode here soon, we will uh, have a list of different vendors that we recommend that excellent. you can buy stuff from.
2: Excellent, excellent, excellent. So uh, you know, and you also, of course, have five-year mission in the vendor room.
0: Yep, they will be there with help will. this year, thankfully.
2: Yeah. So let's see. What else did Neil ask? Oh, can you move around fairly freely? Well, it depends on what you mean by fairly. Um, and depends on the time of the day. It depends on whether or not there's a big panel going on or letting out or letting, oh God, letting out. Yeah. What a nightmare. Yeah.
0: It's really the worst time to be in the vendor's room is when a big panel has just let out because people just, that's where they go. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, definitely most of the time. Otherwise it's, it's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. And if, if they do move some of the vendors or some of the, the actors into another room, that'll be even more space. The vendor's room is pretty large, um, for people who have not been there before, but you know, sometimes it can get a little claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times I find it really easy to walk around in there and, uh, feel just fine. Yeah,
2: the hallway gets a little cramped, too. Yep. Um, when Especially when the the panels from both rooms let out, they, they, people just flood out into yeah. the hallway. So try yeah. to pay attention to when panels are, are going to be ending. Yep. If you're going to be planning to make a move to go from one place <gasps> to another, or if you're, God forbid, trying to get to the bathroom.
0: Oh, no. No. There, there are plenty of bathrooms, but I, I still, when I, th- when I think about what's coming, uh, I'm just a little apprehensive of those. Or it's really those moments specifically, yeah, because they're already very overwhelming and very overstimulating. Uh, so I can only imagine what it will be like. I advise people to maybe leave your panel a little early or sit in your seats for a while.
1: Yeah.
2: Let it die down.
0: Yeah. Just avoid that. Um, I think it's funny that Neil asked how many thousands of dollars will I need to bring?
2: As many as you possibly can.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, okay. So this will be my eighth, eighth year. 2009 was my first year. So this will be my eighth consecutive year going. And the amount of money that I've spent has, has really depended on the experience I was having. I used to buy more photo ops and autographs and I don't do that anymore. Um, but I, I still set back at least a thousand dollars just, just for your general convention costs, like food,
2: Yeah, don't underestimate the food cost, (laughs) and please, God, do not. If you're planning to go to Masquerade, and I do not underestimate the alcohol cost because it is so expensive to drink there.
0: It's expensive, and there have been issues where they have Mm -hmm. uh, dishonestly kind of rounded up the tab or not given back the correct change. Uh, So. You know, that's another, it's just a big, uh, wait and see for me because we know that the population at the masquerade is going to be incredibly overwhelming. Uh, maybe there will just, I remember it was, it's usually like Saturday night, late night when everybody's done for the day and they've been out to dinner and they just all amass at masquerade. And so the entire bar area is full, which is small to begin with. And then it just stretches out. Beneath the bar on the casino floor.
2: Yeah. (sighs) Probably going to be monumentally difficult to get drinks at the bar too.
0: Yeah. um, There are other bars available. There is a liquor store right next to the masquerade that you can go in and buy something. Uh, And of course, we always recommend just keeping some stuff in your room and popping up and down. No, that that gets hard because you don't really want to leave your friends when you're having fun.
2: True, sure. flask. Um, flask, flask, yeah. flask, flask.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just depends. I, you know, you can easily drop like eight hundred dollars on photo ops and autographs, yes, and then you can. and several, Yeah, yeah, and then you know another grand on merchandise, and then all of your your food. And alcohol and anything else if you're going, you know, outside of the Rio to experience Vegas. um, There's all of that world out there. So my advice is just save as much as you can. Save at least $1,000 if you can. Um, However, there are many people in in our group that go on a budget and have budget ideas. Oh, yeah. Um, So if if we're able to get to talk to that... uh, Get the get on that subject in the the next three months, then we will definitely do that too.
2: One more, one more quick bit of advice on merchandise. Um, Not specifically just for Neil, but since this topic has come up and I don't think we've mentioned this, or maybe, maybe somebody mentioned this on a prior uh, shortly. Sorry, my memory is a little bit foggy uh, on what everybody said, but um, if you are in the vendor room and you are looking at a piece of Trek merchandise And that piece of Trek merchandise is new or has been recently released or is currently being produced. Chances are it is more expensive and in the vendor room than it would be on, say, Amazon.com. So please, I beg you all, if there's something like some new figure uh, or or a ship or, or something that you want, you know, take a second to just pull out your smartphone, go on Amazon and look up the price. There were things that I almost bought at the con and thankfully I looked them up online and they were 10 to $20 cheaper sometimes.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, I can only defend brick and mortar vendors and their price. I mean, I used to manage a comic book store. So <laughs> comic books at the comic book store, you know, are a little higher than they may be on Amazon and that's for a reason. But I also you know, consider your suitcase and what you have oh, to take God, home. Yeah. And in that case, like, I know that I really wanted to buy Juan Ortiz's book of art. Um, it's the collection of his covers. It's a hardcover book. He was there like two years ago signing and the book was 50 bucks and that included his autograph. Um, so I, that's pretty good. I came home and I was like, I really wanted that book. And it was on Amazon for like 35, um, so I'm I didn't want to get it there because I was going to have to lug it home and it was heavy and I already had too much stuff. Um so that's what I like to think about is the stuff that that you can get at home or if the vendor has a website um you can get their business card and then order it when you get back.
2: True indeed.
0: And then I will say too that on Sunday a lot of the vendors will do deals with you since they haven't, that's, you know, they're yep haven't sold certain things uh you know just just be nice and there's there's no harm in asking um
2: absolutely true yeah oh and um you know i guess since we're on the topic one final uh note about this if by chance you do buy something there that's too big to fit in your luggage or you know ahead of time is too big to fit in your luggage conveniently In the hallway, outside the convention, there's a UPS store right inside the building. So you can mail stuff home to yourself. Now, it'll cost you something, but they do sell little boxes, and they do sell little tape, and little labels, and they'll be happy to sell you all that stuff and let you box up your stuff and send it home. Or conversely, if you felt Mm -hmm. like shipping your clothes or your cosplay stuff home, you can do that as well. And I believe... Uh, You can also ship yourself things uh, Mm -hmm. to the hotel prior to you getting there and you can pick it up in the UPS store if you want to save yourself from having to lug it all on the plane with you.
0: Yep. That's what I was going to say is that there have definitely been recommendations to mail you like your cosplay or anything like that. It's Um, a
2: good idea because you never know if your luggage is going to get lost.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, no. Knock on wood. Or
2: smashed or if the TSA is going to open it and try your costume on.
0: Oh, my gosh! So they opened my luggage two years ago when I was in augment, and I had a Mechleth in my bag. Oh, and it was a prop, methlek. Um, it's not sharp, sharp, but it's definitely a weapon. And they opened it up, but I had written on a piece of paper, this is not a weapon. This is a prop. <laughs> and uh, you know, n- nothing came of it, but oh. I had the little notification Phew. in my bag when I opened it that they had they had looked Ooh, at it. Thank God, um, so yeah. Sucked. Yeah. Um anything else that you wanted to say about vendor's room?
2: No. I, I think uh I think that's all I can uh, muster for now if we want to move on to the next
0: question. Yeah. So since we were just talking about the bar, um Patrick, who is my co-administrator of the group. <laughs> uh, <laughs> asks what time does masquerade close very
2: jokey question i'm sure he was kidding
0: (laughs) i know i love love it um but yeah i just since we brought it up and everything else you know people are there all night uh all night long so the bars are open don't worry people will probably be there at 5 a.m uh Still talking from the night before.
2: I wouldn't doubt it, but be forewarned <laughs> that if you are that brave and you're going to stay there that late, then your next day will likely be ruined. Yes. Or at least the early part of it. Because let me tell you, I think all of us have talked about this many times being up till four. 4.30 in the morning every night really takes a lot out of you.
0: It does. Unfortunately for me, my pattern the last two years has been stay up until 3 or 4, wake up at 7.
1: Yep, me
2: too. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, that's my weekly schedule. I'm up pretty early, so uh, I just kept waking up very early. And one morning I woke up and I was still drunk, I think. Nice. I hate that's terrible to admit. Sorry, mom. Um, it, I think it was from the first night. And so my my goal this year is to do what I always recommend, which is have a drink, have a glass of water.
2: That never works out.
0: <laughs> then have another drink.
2: It never works out.
0: Uh, it never works out. There is an overwhelming sense of reunion the first night that we're there. And people are sometimes putting drinks in your hand and you don't realize how many drinks you've had. Oh, Yeah. Um so that stuff happens um <laughs> most definitely. Yeah,
2: be real careful with that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um there were so many questions that everyone asked, and I don't think we're gonna be able to get to every single one. Um, let's see. How about John Krikorians? He has some sure. notes um that he got together that he sent to us, and they're really great notes um with lots of good ideas that are Pretty on par with what we've been talking about, Um, like with the – what kind of energy protein bars to buy. He has some options for grocery stores in Las Vegas. Um, There's Smith's, which is pretty much a Kroger's, uh, a Trader Joe's, an Albertson's, a Vaughn's, which is apparently Safeway, Hmm. and Sprouts and Whole Foods. So there are a lot of options if you're able to grab a cab or an Uber – um, and pop over to a grocery store to get stuff. It looks like there's a lot of options here. I shop at Sprouts personally. Um, so I, that's great because I could go and get my energy bars there and fruit and everything else. Um, and we were talking the other day about different places to go. Um, there's the, the little hall con that we've been talking about, um, which technically now it's, not in the hall con mm. uh, since creation announced everywhere that they will not be allowing anyone past those checkpoints um, that they've had. So uh, people who don't have tickets are still going to try to come and do other things outside of the convention and then come hang out with us at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did not realize that there is a pinball museum.
1: Yes,
2: there In is.
0: Vegas. Have you ever been to it? Yep. Did you know about it? Sure oh my did. gosh! Tell us about it.
2: it. It's a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of fun. A lot of uh, older vintage, fixed up machines, as well as some of the newer stuff. And it's it's a if you're a pinball fan, it's something to behold. I don't want to spoil too much of it. And I know you can look it up online, but I would I would say do do not look up the pictures online. Just just kind of go, <laughs> go and and walk in and be awed
0: by that- it that sounds really cool. We have a few different pinball players, uh, among our family tree. So that is definitely something, I mean, I, I, I'm not a big pinball player. I'm a novice, but it's something I would definitely check out. And it looks like, um, admission is free and then you pay to play the games and they're all playable. So, ah, that's really cool. Um, The Mandalay Bay Resort has Shark Reef Aquarium, which I have been to. It is so cool. Um, It was kind of like a little guided tour, but you had a little um, recorder thing telling you. That's terrible of me. Um, Like a little audio tour that you wore headphones, and then you had a little remote type thing. And when you went to the different exhibits, it would start telling you about each one. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been down there?
2: I've been, but I haven't been to the, into the, the aquarium.
0: Oh, it's so cool. And it's a really neat resort just to go check out. It is. You know, anytime I go to Vegas, I like to just do the, the, the casino crawl yep. and just spend the day going through all of them and checking things out. Um, but yeah, the shark reef aquarium is really, really cool. And I think the admission is somewhere $20 and under, um, and you can find coupons for it. So you can do it, um, even more cheaply, uh, atomic testing museum, which I don't know exactly where it is. Um, but it sounds really fun. <laughs>
2: I haven't been there either.
0: Yeah, it would. I think I've like seen pictures from people who have gone. Um, but it's definitely idea. There's, there's a mob museum, which is also supposed to be really good that I did not know existed. Yeah,
2: Craig's been there. He likes that. Okay. Uh, does he list the Neon Museum on there?
0: No. And that, <gasps> that's one I was gonna mention because that's something that our little tricorder team has discussed doing on you Monday. Have to go. Yeah, I've never been. I see everyone's pictures and I, I wish <gasps> so I good. could go. So if we should definitely do it. So um, good. Anybody's welcome to come who can get there. Um but yeah, there's that and then there is
2: So real quick though. Before we move on, just in case anybody doesn't know what it is, so the Neon Museum is a a small uh, little outdoor uh, promenade where they rescue and resuscitate old Vegas neon and lighted signs from old casinos and restaurants and resorts that are no longer there, and it is like this slice of history that is just amazing. Yeah, just to witness and go at night.
0: Yeah. Go at night because they turn, they
2: turn, they turn the lights on and you can just see these gorgeous signs. I actually have some uh, on my Facebook page, but I can cross post some uh, into the unofficial Facebook group. If anybody wants to see them, they're really cool.
0: Yeah. I'm always super envious when, when I see people that go, it's always been on my list and it just never happens because every time I'm in Vegas, I just stay at the Rio the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Um alternate reality comics is that the comic store that you mentioned or is that a different one
2: it is it uh, the one on fremont street i can't remember the name of it
0: yeah he doesn't say it just has best comic shop in town um and a really awesome restaurant across the street But there – I mean there's a lot to check out. There's like the Pawn Stars shop if anybody watches that. You know, that's been on my list to do that I did
2: That's way off strip though Um, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, Counts Customs I think. I'm just thinking of all these shows that I watch.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know what? By the way, anybody speaking of people who want to try these places out like the Pawn Stars shop, it's a very expensive cab ride.
1: Oh, yeah. There and
2: back. So – It'd yeah be very 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 aware that if you're going to go there and you do not have your own transportation it's going to cost you definitely a, a, a pretty penny to get there and back yeah you're probably gonna have to call a cab to get back too because whereas on the strip you can walk around and just get in a cab but yeah i, I don't know if you can stand out front of the pawn stars shop and actually hope to get a cab in any but of a timely manner you may have to call
0: yeah, and you know, um, John mentions down here at the bottom of his notes talking about getting around town, and it's come up in chat recently, is um, Lyft and Uber service, mm-hmm. um, which the cost – he estimates is about one-third the cost of a taxi. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's quite on the dot. I mean, I, I, on, I, I've never used Uber or Lyft.
2: Well, truthfully, I, I, I haven't used Uber – out there, I've used Uber here, and right. the prices are okay. I would imagine knowing the prices of cabs out there, that could very well be about accurate.
0: Okay. Because cabs yeah, are super true. pricey. So he's got like estimate. So the estimate for an Uber from McCarran to the Rio is $16 to $20 plus a tip. When I usually go via cab, it's about 25 to 28 with the tip. Mm. And then I split that with a friend. <laughs> so it, it just kind of depends on what you're doing. Um, but it's definitely a good option. I think for people who want to go, um, it's a somewhere off strip, mm. um, that might be a, a less expensive route than, than taking a cab. Bill Smith from Trek geeks had a really good comment In one of the threads talking about Uber and Lyft and taxis and how you should always get their their information, like their taxi number, their ID code, in case you have to file a complaint.
2: Um, I've been very fortunate in that regard uh, in Las Vegas. Whenever I have taken cabs, the drivers have always been very reputable and usually quite talkative.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mine have been really nice, too. I haven't had a bad experience at all. Um, so I like I said, I'm okay with taking a cab. I find it to be super quick, and I find friends. Um, usually closer to the convention, people will post in the group, and we might have a separate thread just for people looking for a ride share um, because that's an easy way to split mm-hmm. up the cost.
2: Oh, for sure. Um, Absolutely. whether it's
0: whether it's a taxi or Uber,
2: yeah, pile um, in,
0: yeah. Pile and so in. I know the third option, just to mention it, is the taking the shuttle. Um, and there, there is no shuttle to and from the airport and the Rio directly, like owned by the Rio or owned by Harris. You have to take an independent shuttle. Um, but I think that's usually around like seven bucks one way. Mm. Um, but you have to wait for the shuttle and then it does stop at other resorts. Yeah. So it could take you a little longer. Yeah. I'm, I'm just very much sold on sharing a cab, you know, getting in a car within minutes and being there, Quickly, So I can see everybody.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, uh, one you know what? She's speaking of while we're talking about leaving the Rio mm-hmm. and, and going out on the town um, a- around Vegas to see some of these places or just to see the strip. If you're not familiar uh, with Vegas and, you know, you maybe you, you've been just to the Rio before and you haven't gone out or if this is your first time out there. Seriously, seriously, you're going to be going out at night and just please be aware of your surroundings yeah. at all times, especially especially if you're going to Fremont Street or Old mm-hmm. Vegas. Make sure that you're not doing the the old uh, the old tourist, you know, looking around and looking up and and just being in awe of everything because you probably will be. But make sure you just keep your you know, guys, keep one hand in your wallet pocket, uh, ladies, you know, keep your keep your purse tight against you they like keep an arm over it so that someone can't snatch it because you know it, it, it can and will happen uh. so I'm, I'm serious i this is a guy who's been to vegas more than 10 times
0: i believe it i do believe it
2: i'm telling you it's it's this you're a little safer on the strip um than you are downtown in fremont just you know just be real careful especially god especially number one place to watch out is if you're on fremont street And you go down to see the canopy of lights that goes off, you know, at certain intervals. Once it gets dark, there's a a whole canopy over the entire length of the street where they show like a video light show. Uh, I think it's once a half an hour. Uh, So it might be less frequent, but it's at least once an hour, probably a little bit more. But everybody will stop. Everybody will look up for the duration of this uh, show, which is a couple minutes. And that is ripe prime time. For people to go through the crowd and just snatch stuff, because yeah. everyone's paying attention. The music is super loud. Everyone's yeah. staring up into the air. No one's paying attention. Yeah, and I've just heard too many horror stories. Over, so be there.
0: careful. Yes, Set phasers to kill.
2: Yes, moral of the story.
0: <laughs> Let's. I, I wanted to mention on a on a happy, fun note here. Yes, bring up the energy. Yes. Um, Along with the places to go and see, we brought it up in one of the chat threads. I think I did. There is a Millennium Falcon Bar. Where? Uh, I'm I'm not. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, it's not on the strip. I don't think. Yeah, Millennium mm-hmm. Fandom Bar is what it's called. Hmm. It is a 900 Las Vegas Boulevard. Hmm. And I don't remember everyone who was talking in that thread, but there was chatter of, maybe it was Desiree that was suggesting, um, having an event there at some point, um, Hmm. just having everybody go. So that might be something else that gets set up. I thought it would be really cool just to visit as a nerd, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, right up my, my alley there. Um, so that's something new. And then, you know, we've talked about the stuff that's in the Rio that you can do. Like, there's going to be the Kiss mini golf. There's a bowling alley over the Gold Coast, um, stuff like that. But that is awesome fun stuff. Um, in and Out Burger.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's been brought up many times. We will we be there. Talk-
0: yeah, we could talk about food all day. I really appreciate the suggestions, but I think uh, there's just there's so many places to eat in Vegas. I am picking out In-N-Out Burger, though, because we don't have those in Denver. Everyone tells me it's good. It's um, good. I haven't eaten. I don't even know the last time I ate fast food, but I am going to try it, try it out so that I can say I have done that. Yes, um, it's worth it's, it. Okay. I better live up to the hype. It will. Um, let's see. There, another good tip is buying extra liquor. The cheapest place is Walmart. Really? Um, yeah, you can go there and pick everything up. There's a bit more specialized things at Lee's Liquor that is a local chain and just a few blocks away on Rainbow and Flamingo. Um, yeah, it's not too far. So those are a lot of really good tips, yeah. places to go, things to do.
1: Yeah,
2: thanks, John.
0: Um but I wanted to jump. Were there any other questions that stood out to you?
2: Mm, not that I saw.
0: Okay. I I know Desiree here commented about meeting people and uh, being shy and having a little bit of social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, this one is really tough for me because although I'm an introvert, I can be very extroverted and... I'm not a very shy person. I will turn around and strike up conversation with most anybody. And that is part of the story of Claire and I, uh, that I heard her in a conversation behind me. I turned around, jumped in. And by the time we got up to check into our room, I was like, Hey, do you want to get rooms close to each other? And we did. And Claire is not the type of person that would ever have jumped out and recommended that or suggested that. Um, so for me, it's it's easy and I don't have a lot of advice, you know, other than what we've already kind of talked about, which is just, you know, turn to the person next to you and say hi. Um, like Larry said, you know, if you've got a reserve seat, you're going to be sitting by the same people every day. You're going to be in lines for autographs, lines for photo ops. Everyone is a Star Trek fan. So, you know, try to turn and say hi. But that's not easy for anybody. Do you have any advice?
2: I don't know, because I'm not great at that myself. I mean, I don't really have a lot of social anxiety, but I don't know. I... Sometimes I just, I just seem to get fixated on what I'm doing and I don't stop to take time out to do stuff like that. I have to kind of force myself yeah, to do it because I'm so task focused, I think, you know, when I'm out there, I'm like, I'm going here, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go to that panel, I'm going to meet these people, I'm going to do that. I, I don't think I don't take enough time to maybe stop and talk to a random stranger now and then Yeah, uh, in a line. Like usually if I'm in a line, I'm with somebody else that I know already Right, and I'm just kind of talking to them um, you know, there's a lesson I should probably take from this.
0: <laughs> the nice thing is that sometimes people like me will turn around to you and just start talking, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that doesn't always happen. So it's, it's a subject that I really would like to talk about in more depth, but I really would like some input from, from people who are more shy, who do have social anxiety and who have found a way to do this and to make themselves comfortable enough, um, to introduce themselves to the person next to them. Hmm. Um, I think that if anybody wants to, you know, shoot us a comment, send us an email, something like that. Um, I would really love to have that for, for future discussions because it's impossible for me to give really good advice on that being that I'm not that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish I could do something better too. Cause I'm not, really that way but i, I definitely can understand you know, where she's coming from and you know it's, it's easy for us to say things like oh you know just just tear the band-aid off and go for it you know yeah but that's i don't think that's necessarily what she's really looking for
0: yeah and you know i would say if anything you know we're we're friends we're friends on facebook um you know our listeners know us in that way we we're Always open to someone coming up and introducing themselves and saying hi. Sure. And and in doing that, we're happy to you know help introduce you to other people. Absolutely. Um, you know, finding someone that's a little more extroverted is an easy thing to do. Um, to to have the company of someone that can start those conversations for you. It's not necessarily an easy thing to do if if you're not already their friend.
2: Yeah, we'll just have Um, to give everybody over to Jim Morehouse and he can start all their (laughs) conversations for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, like like even Larry had said, and this is what we continuously hear from everyone, is that you are among family, Mm -hmm. you are among friends, and those are the connections that you're going to find there. And the one thing that he brought up, um, but I guess we can end it on since we've covered a lot, um, anything that we've missed, I think we can definitely revisit in our, our next episodes before the convention. Um, but you know, Larry had talked about, you know, uh, just having a fan come to meet you that, that small interaction can mean so, so much. Yep. And I wanted to share a personal story Um, because it's, it's very much along that tone.
2: I love these.
0: (laughs) Here's the heart. I'm going to try not to cry. Um, so a few weeks ago I found out very, very suddenly, um, on the, gosh, I think it was a Monday morning that my friend Jonathan had passed away Mm. and Jonathan is a Trekkie. He's been to STLV and I knew him just online. I I don't remember if it was through the group or just through um, like a when Facebook suggests to your, you know, your friends, and they're like, add this person. And so their algorithm definitely grabs all the Star Trek fans when those are your interests. And so he might have just added me that way. Um, But he was active in our group. He was a military veteran and had uh, some extensive bodily damage from his time serving the country. Mm. And, um, I, I don't have the very specific reason of his passing, but that seems to be, um, what's been suggested is that his, his body had just had too much. It had just reached that point. So I had met him last year. He came up to me just in the vendor's room and introduced himself and, It was, you know, a small interaction, but finding out that he's now gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I remember him and I am so, so grateful that I had that moment, even though it was short, even though our friendship really only exists as a connection on, on Facebook, aside from, you know, those five minutes that, that we spent talking, um, it was greatly impacting, uh, when he passed away. And so I would just like to share his story because, you know, he had the courage to go up and, and introduce himself to people and and made an everlasting impact on me. And even if you're shy, even if you've got some anxiety, if you can gather that courage to just go up and say hi, then you could possibly be making an impact on someone too. Yep. And I just... Anytime we lose someone in the Trek community, it's really hard. We are a family. Even if you're just someone that I know through Facebook, you're still my friend and you're still my family. Yeah. And uh, having this community is just amazing. And I know that Jonathan will be remembered by all of his Star Trek and Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> friends and family. Um So I would just, my, my decision for STLV 50 is, is to take that courage that he had and go back to my crazy selfie personality of 2014 (laughs) and take as many selfies and meet as many people as I can this year. Um, I am going to be positive and optimistic and happy and take advantage of the time that I have and meet everyone and see everyone and take those pictures so that I have them to remember.
2: Yeah, I don't think I can top that <laughs> at all. That was uh, great advice. Definitely great advice. And that's very sad, sad to hear. Yeah,
0: it's sad. We've lost um, several several friends since I've been going. And it's just, it's never easy. And it doesn't matter if you didn't have a close friendship. Um, it's just the fact that there are our, our siblings in Star Trek. Yep. Um, they're family. So anytime that happens, it is felt through the community. And even in the past, when we've lost um, Star Trek friends that I didn't personally know, I still felt it and saw it. Um, we're special people. And that makes me really happy.
2: It's a lot to take in. It's a lot, <laughs> it's to, a lot about, to take you know. in.
0: So we are, I think our plan's going forward. Um, sorry that it's just the two of us. I hope we have kept everyone entertained. I think uh, we've done a
2: pretty good job.
0: <laughs> being new to podcasting, this is my little worry. Um, but we are definitely going to do a cosplay episode. We have some vendors that may potentially come visit. Mm-hmm. Um, Give us a little information about what's going down there. And I know that Jeff and I at least are very dedicated to getting out as many episodes as possible um, before the convention.
2: Absolutely.
0: I really love the feedback that we get in the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group. You guys are so awesome. Um, So we'll probably continue to throw those up and we'll definitely revisit anything we didn't get to this time. We will do our best to get as much information out as possible. I can't believe it's under 3 months until I see everybody.
2: I know. It's going by so so quickly.
0: It is. I will say this one last note of advice, although I am adamantly against buying photo ops and auto ops mm-hmm. from Creations website because of the 775 yep. shipping and handling fee, buy them. Yep. It's gonna, you know, you're gonna pay that fee, but for Whoopi, for Kirstie Alley, um, I think even for like TNG cast, any captains yep. buy the ticket because they they are gonna sell out. They are capping them off, and you do not want to get there and regret that you didn't get it.
2: Exactly. Yep. Excellent advice. Bite the bullet. Yep. Pay The extra eight bucks. Yep, and just go for it. So just um, go for it. Yeah. So I think that about brings us to the end of another great <laughs> episode of Shore Leave. This is going to be an extra long one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> by the
2: way, um, so uh, you guys have—I you I know that people have been waiting a little while. It's been—it's been a little bit since we've done one.
0: Yeah. So
2: this will be an extravaganza for everybody out there, and uh, I think we'll be doing another one uh, relatively soon.
0: Pretty soon, the more information that they release, the more that we, more stuff we have to talk about. Um, exactly. But I think our cosplay episode will be pretty good, um, and then getting these vendors together to talk to, and then I would like to aim for at least one or two more general chat. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely.
2: So. Definitely. So I'm sure I we will, can pull that off.
0: Yeah, I will do my best.
2: <laughs> yes. And uh, I know that uh, while we're closing up, I know that, I don't know how many Shore Leave listeners uh, saw this, but um, I know that I had teased a pretty big tricorder announcement uh, just about a couple weeks ago now, almost two weeks ago now, and uh, I'm not revealing it yet, but uh, I just want to say that uh, we are one step closer to being able to reveal it. So um, the the first phase of it is in place and uh, wheels are turning and uh, we should be getting uh, our authorization to uh, let the cat out of the proverbial bag here very, very shortly. So if anybody has been hanging on the, the announcement, just know that you're not going to be hanging much longer.
0: <laughs> you're just going to tease them a little. Just a little. <laughs>
2: Just a little. Well,
0: well, it's a good thing I can keep a secret.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's right. Heather knows. <laughs> Heather knows. All the hosts uh, of, of our tricorder shows know, but everyone has kept their lips very tight. So I'm very happy about that. Thank you all for that. All right. So, uh, Heather, uh, any any place people can find you online? Want to plug the Facebook group?
0: Uh, yeah. So our Facebook group is Unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Convention. Uh, just asked to be added. It's a closed group. So we got to approve you. Um, I'm Heather Barker on Facebook too. You can find me through the group or you can search for me. I usually am doing the LLAP hand sign in my picture, so I'm not hard to find. And then I am sketching Venus on Twitter and Instagram.
2: Excellent. 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 And uh, you can always find us at TTT underscore pod on Twitter, dot uh, facebook.com slash tricordertransmissions. We also have a YouTube channel, Tricorter transmissions. and uh, I am Jay underscore Benj, B-E-N-J, J J underscore B-E-N-J on Twitter. So uh, if you want to hit us up, feel free. We'd love to talk to you and um, we'll see you next time.
0: Live long and prosper.
2: Hi there. Thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to FiveYearMission.net. The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely
1: brilliant. So that's TrekGeeks.com and FiveYearMission.net. Check them out today.